The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night. All day. What a week young Jim Norton has had. What a week. Yes. What a week Sirius Satellite Radio has had. What a week censorship has had. What a week Anthony Cumia has had. What a week all the, the people online that love to bitch and piss and moan and complain and get very excited when something fucked up goes down. Yeah. Well, something fucked up went down. When If you're listening to this, if, if it's sometime in the future, because uh, these recordings will be saved forever, this is today's date is July 17th. 2014, approximately a week ago, Anthony Cumia was taking photographs. Anthony of the Opie and Anthony Show, which our pal Jim Norton is also part of, was he was downtown in New York taking some photographs, and from there on, it's a bunch of you know what what he says and what I'm sure the woman who beat the shit out of him would have a different story. But he was taking some photographs. One of one of the photographs was of this uh, what are those things called when you uh, those things we walk scaffolding through. scaffolding he was walking through the scaffolding a woman was coming towards him it looked like he was just taking a bunch of cool photos of new york there's a bunch of them that he put up on his instagram yeah. anyway this woman got upset that he was taking a photo of her probably thought that he was pervin um got mad at him violence ensued she hit him and he went on twitter and went on this rant about violence about the black community and their propensity for violence, about this woman calling her an animal, which she did, and uh, Sirius fired him, and which left a fucking huge hole in uh, my entertainment world. Uh, the Opie and Anthony show is my all-time favorite radio show. I listen to it all the time, and now, all of a sudden, it is no more. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's a huge hole too. Like, I, I no one panicked like me because Opie and Anthony both have kind of fuck you money. Jim Norton doesn't. <laughs> so selfishly thinking, I'm like, well, there goes everything because the show's done. <laughs> well, you're always going to be great because you're a funny comic Thank and you can always work and you never have to worry about that. But um, it is a crazy thing uh, that you know all of a sudden like that for things that he said on the show a hundred times. I, I think mean, what I'm sorry. I, I think what happened was he tweeted like he told. I talked to him m multiple times since then. He was walking, and people don't believe that he was actually taking legitimate New York photos. That was one of the points of contention. People like he was being creepy, but he really wasn't. Like Anthony has had this giant Hubble-like camera in the studio um, every day for probably six months now. He's getting into photography. It's what he's been doing. So that was not unusual at all to hear he was out and about taking photos. That's legit. And I guess this woman got angry. And I, I talked to him, and he said that she just said something like, you, you know, this white boy's taking my picture, you white motherfucker. Whatever she said, she clocked him. And he kept defending himself. And as he's putting his arms up, she is going, um, don't touch me. Like, you know that thing, like, that a woman might do to prevent you from hitting her? Like, mm -hmm. and you could see how frightening that would be because then people think you're beating on this woman. Right. So he's putting his hand up. And, you know, I know Aunt well enough to know he's not going to just punch a woman in the face. So she's doing that. And I think a few black guys came around and they didn't do anything to Ant, but they were like, you know, don't touch her. So, um, you know, Ant, who is always armed and he's licensed to carry, um, didn't hit her. didn't pull out his pistol and uh, went home and I guess was really upset and, and went out on, like you said, a Twitter rampage. And um, I knew it was bad the next morning when I saw it because my ex-girlfriend called me. And she's like, what happened with Anthony? He got beat up by a woman? I'm like, I don't know. So I looked, and I saw the tweets. And I'm like, oh. I actually texted him about one. I don't think I've ever done that before. 
there was one that I texted him. I'm like, was that, you all right, man? Is that, he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. It was scary. Wow. Um, yeah, the, the thing about Ant is he's developed this sort of style of communicating on the show where he, he goes on these long, hilarious, entertaining, profanity-filled rants. And there's one thing about hearing it, but there's another thing of like seeing it in a text form. It's just, it's just not the same. It looks Things don't, don't look good in print, certain things. <laughs> and I think what happened was is in the middle of, like when you have you have a contextual conversation, it's like you have people, there's inflection, there's another guy next to you going, well, hey, what do you mean by that? And then you're clarifying it. or It's just, it's a different energy when you're tweeting and you're that mad. Like I think, he, like any type of an assault, even if it's a woman hitting you and it's not life-threatening, is still like, you know, an hour later, you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like I think it just freaked him out. And she hit him a couple times. Five times or so. And I, he, she sent me pictures of his face, and, and he had like little. You could see that he had been struck. I mean, he wasn't making it up. And so he went on. And when I looked at the the, the flow of things, like I know Anthony, and I know what he's saying. He was not calling all black people animals. He wasn't because he's never said that. He's talking about a behavior of this woman, and I, I think that what happened was he was so mad. And when you're tweeting that aggressively, and you've just you're fucking dealing with this in your head. That sometimes things come out jumbled and muddied. And like, if you know Ant, you know what he's saying. People who don't know him are reading this going, what does he mean? He's saying that there's violence in black people and they're animal. Like, people are putting these pieces of a puzzle together and they're making a, a picture. And it was like, it just, I know him well enough to know that in a conversation, if someone said, are you trying to say black people are animals? He would go, no, not at all. It's a ba behavioral based mm -hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Because he said that about white people too. So, I mean, it was just one of those things where once it was in print, it's even in context, we lie as a country. Like, you know, like when C Cancel Colbert came out, the, the activist knew the context that he was making those Asian jokes in and didn't give a fuck. She still wanted to sink him. She's like, no, no, I get it. He was trying to, you know, show the difference between the, the, the same thing between this and Native Americans and how ridiculous it is, but I don't care. So we've gotten to a point now where we, we don't even pretend to not understand the context anymore. We admit that we understand the context and we go after people anyway. So something like this is bound to, uh, to sink you because it can be taken both ways unless you actually sit there and talk to the guy. And each tweet has to come out like a film. Each tweet has to be a beginning, middle, and end with no explanation needed around it in order to, to, yeah. to, to be survivable. If right. that makes sense. Well, you know what? The big uh, big key to what you said, that it could sink you. Well, it only sinks you if you work for a company. And in my opinion, that's unnecessary. Yeah. In, in this day and age, it's unnecessary. And I, I think you guys, and I think Anthony for sure, would be far better off with a podcast. Anybody can get a podcast and put it on their phone now. Everybody's phone has a little jack that sticks into your car, and you play your phone through your car. Everybody has that now. I mean, it's not an uncommon thing. It's more common to have that jack than it is to have satellite radio. Most people have to get a satellite radio thing installed in their car. Most people already have that jack. Right. You know, it's just, it's so goddamn easy. And I, get, I bet you could get all the same sponsors. I bet you could get all the same sponsors, and you would have no middleman. And you don't look at the studio. It's not it doesn't take much to put something together. You know, a little bit of time, a little bit of effort. You know, you got to know someone who's an engineer, know someone who knows how to put the stuff together and set up the microphones. But other than that, what's the difference between this and satellite radio? Right. I'll tell you what the difference is. Nobody can fucking fire you. You can go on some cunt 
rampage. That fucking animal cunt. And no one, you know, people might say, I'm not downloading your podcast anymore. Right. But at least you have the opportunity to communicate, to explain yourself. And if the people decide that they don't like your character based on one thing that you said or one rant that you went on, that is their decision. But it's not the decision of a company. Right. And when things get, you know, companies are squirrely, man. They have fucking shareholders and stocks and they have responsibilities. And all you need is a few slacktivists that start web pages and, you know, fire Anthony and Anthony Kumi. We're going after those sponsors. We're going to let them know. We're boycotting. We're blah, blah. Yep. Mostly just noise. Mostly nonsense. Mostly just soft targets. Yep. But all you need is a few of those and a, a fucking a company will panic. They do. What happens is, you know, it's a billion dollar company. So you get guys like, you know, Scott and, and Jim who runs it, who, you know, they're just the 4th of July weekend was coming. And then all of a sudden they're getting phone calls from the New York Post and the Washington Post. And although all, all the press obviously has a narrative and they did a shit job. But the Washington Post, I thought, was the worst offender with the way they covered it because the woman wrote things that was just really it was revolting to read. Which she write? She was talking about Anthony saying that these guys came around and she was saying like, you know, oh, well, I guess if a bunch of African-American or however she said a bunch of gentlemen want to defend someone from defaming an African-American woman, it's okay. Like that's what was happening. She wasn't acknowledging that Anthony was being hit. She acted like that these guys had read his Twitter feed and not liked it. It was just like, <laughs> like she read the Twitter feed in the in, future. In, in the future, it was repulsive. <laughs> all this, well, a woman who looks like the fucking fake deaf interpreter from Mandela's funeral is beating <laughs> on Anthony. But uh, <laughs> the fake deaf interpreter is a fucking. That's a meme. That guy's yeah, a meme. He's rules. But uh, the company, they, these guys, just get all of a sudden they're just they're, they're home and they're getting phone calls in the office the day before vacation. So what are your comments? And they probably weren't even that familiar with it until they're getting calls from the paper and they're like, well, what do we do? with this and then this is what the press does and this is why you got to hate it because i think sirius was going to try to write it out that's my opinion because they knew a holiday weekend was coming and uh I, this is purely a guess because no one was saying anything and then all of a sudden the press starts going we have not had a comment from sirius satellite radio so we're assuming that they agree with mr kumia's opinions they do this sneaky shit to push you into defending yourself so now the company with shareholders like you said has to go well how do we tell people that we don't agree so it's not like it, the press has made them do it, but the press understands how to corner you into giving a statement, a definitive statement, because they know that you're not used to this. They know that these guys coming to work uh, in management positions are not used to getting phone calls going, how do you feel about this statement and that statement? You know, it was really, it, it was a very frustrating thing when I saw what the press did with it. That, that to me is always who my biggest complaint is with. Always with well, the press. There's no nuance to the way they uh, report on certain things like this because yeah. there's there's nuance to this, especially if you look into it in character, if you in, in context rather. If you understand that guy and you you look at him, look, there is a, a problem with violence in the black community. To pretend there's not a problem with violence in the black community is to pretend that there aren't insane amounts of murders going on in Chicago. To pretend that there's not issues with the amount of black people that are in jail the percentage of the population now are those economic problems are those problems related to upbringing are those pro yes education yes absolutely there's a lot of fucking disparity there's a lot of problems with poverty there's a lot of problems with the structure of our culture itself and that you could attribute a lot of those problems to racism to racism in the way that uh funds are allocated the way that you know the, the attention that society puts on impoverished yeah. communities absolutely institutionalized yes but to pretend that it's not a problem 
is ridiculous. Right. It's fucking ridiculous. So when he's taking a picture of some chick and she starts punching him, I think he's allowed to talk about the problem with violence with that community, with the community that this person is from that's beating him up. Did he do it the right way? No. Absolutely not. Did he do it in a way that could be misconstrued or construed or interpreted as racist? Absolutely did. Yeah, he did. He fucked up. He did it the wrong way. He probably shouldn't have done it on Twitter. He probably should have made a video. He probably should have made a video right. explaining, showing what happened to him and explaining what goes on. Explaining this 140 fucking characters thing yes. is a big part of the problem. Dude, absolutely. That's exactly what it was because Anthony is so good. I clarify, whenever you talk about race or a million other things, whether it's religion, or whatever, it, 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 it's so hard to make your point without stepping in shit and then having to go off on 50 uh, digressions. Like, no, no, that's not what I meant. No, no, that's not what I meant. Like, you know, that's the worst part of discussing stuff is that people jump in on the side. What are you saying that all people do, all black people? No, I'm not. So in order to be able to, to get your point across, you have to walk a narrow, you almost have to, to close people's argument doors like a, a get smart episode as you're walking this way your point gets through mm -hmm. and anthony is a genius at doing that a, a genius at it because we've debated race so many times uh on on the show and him and patrice would go back and forth and uh, and patrice loved anthony because he said anthony's an adorable racist you know patrice was so funny with it. he never no. never was upset by anthony's opinions because anthony would listen to him and they would go back and forth half the times patrice was right and half the time anthony was right but on Twitter, I think like like in that emotion, when you're saying X, Y, and Z, he I don't think he did as good a job as he should have done of closing those doors behind him, almost like sealing off things that people can get to you on because he was so upset because he had had a physical assault. And I know it sounds like I'm talking in circles and just defending my friend, but I've been with him for 10 years in this medium of totally uncensored. And I, I'm telling you, I know him well enough to know that he's like, he's got weird things where he'll talk about race and people misinterpret him. And I've talked to him privately and the guy does not hate black people. And I know that that's just, oh, his friend's defending him. But I'm telling you that he does not because I know him well. And then to hear people going, he hates black people. It's like, he's just not afraid of being misconstrued or interpreted yes. as racist. He's not yeah. afraid of it by saying what he really believes is his opinion about certain aspects of a group. Whatever, a race, a gender, whatever it is. Sure. He's not afraid of speaking his mind about things because he's got that fuck you money. Yeah. That's a big part of it. And he's got 150,000 guns. Yes. Those are two things. And, you know, a, a big part of it that drove me fucking crazy is people are not, they're not taking into account the reaction that someone has when they get assaulted. Yes. Because when you get hit by someone, some fucking stranger that you don't know hits you, especially when you've got a gun, you've got a fucking gun bullet launching gun you've got a thing inside you that has explosions you press a trigger explosions propel bullets and they end lives instantly and anthony's an expert with one and he has it on him at all times and he's getting hit and he's like what the fuck and so he gets on my fucking animal cunt yeah. bitch fuck you this that you know it's getting hit is a very disturbing thing it's I mean, there's one thing to get hit in a getting hit in a sparring session is infuriating with people. You know, I've seen people go fucking crazy because they get choked out in a jujitsu session. Getting punched is way more traumatic. Getting punched by a stranger multiple times for taking a fucking photograph. 
I don't know what the exchange was between right. the two of them. I don't know, you know, if if he was saying something that was infuriating. I don't. I don't. I've, I wasn't there. You know, I'm not going to pretend I was there. But man, you got to take into account the reaction that people have when you hit them. And it, it to me, and again, I, I hate to keep going back to the press, but they didn't focus on the fact. That he that like he handled himself properly in that because I know I would have I don't know if I would have pulled the gun in that moment but I'm a panicky Pete and I would have just when other guys were coming over I would have at least brandished it and he acted physically responsible like as a as a as a fucking guy with a pistol on him because people get shot all the time for dumb arguments and dumb things he he handled himself absolutely right and lost his cool once he got home. And uh, people didn't take, the press didn't take that into account. They harped on the fact that he didn't get a police report. And I wished he had now in hindsight, because they're all going, Mr. Kumbia did not get a police report. But here's the deal. Had he gotten a police report, they would have just ignored it. They wouldn't have said, well, at least he got a police report. They would have glanced over the fact and then said, yeah, well, anyone can get a police report. So they were just using that as a reason to kind of ignore the fact that he got hit. They're like, and we didn't see a police report. All the press harped on the fact that he didn't get a police report. But Nancy's response was, look, man, you know, I, I know enough cops to know that me getting hit by some lady in Times Square is yeah. not a fucking priority for NYPD who's worried about terrorists. Yeah, especially if he's fine. I think there's a real issue also with what the press, with a lot of people in the press, I'll, I'll clarify that, what they're trying to do is they're trying to close those get smart doors as they write a piece as well. And as they're writing a piece, they are also trying to placate all the people that are going to be up in arms about their opinions, if they could possibly be supporting a racist, if they could possibly be taking his side, agreeing with him, seeing his point of view. They could be misinterpreted or they could be interpreted as being racist as well. So they have to worry about that as well, especially if you're with a, a liberal rag. You know, if you have a very liberal newspaper that you work for and they have a clear agenda, which a lot of them do. The Washington Times does, right? Uh, Washington Post, absolutely. Washington yeah. Post does. There's a, a lot of them that have a, a liberal slant. And if you are reporting for them, you know, and it's something like this that's very controversial and something where there's, there's a bunch of things that automatically have like a knee-jerk reaction to them. And this is one of them. Knee-jerk reaction to what's conceived as racism, perceived as racism. Yes, and, a, and another thing that they do that's even that's even more enraging is they what, what what people who write for the press now have to do is that it's not just reporting what happened. It's how do I editorialize under the guise of being impartial? Right. And they do that a lot, too. And that I don't like either. It, it's like that to me is the worst crime they commit, actually. It's the editorializing as they're going along, like it's legitimate. Like uh, like NBC, and I'm not a Zimmerman fan either. Ant was a big supporter of Zimmerman. I thought Zimmerman should have went to jail for something. I didn't know what. Legally, I have no ground to stand on, but I kind of thought he was a cunt. But, uh, <laughs> but, but not a guy who was out to commit a murder either. I thought there was a line in between. But whatever. Like NBC edited that tape. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh. Can't do that. There's no reason to do that unless you're pushing something. Yeah. But they're doing it under the guise of being impartial. And I'm sure they've done it plenty of times to vilify blacks. I'm not saying they haven't. He lost that lawsuit, you know. Uh, I know he did. Crazy. Yeah. That's I'm, crazy. It's absolutely nuts. I don't know why. The news has such a different level of what they can get away with and what they can do because they're seen as doing a public service. In my opinion, though, I think they lost it because everybody was hating that guy. And they just want, they didn't want him to win something on top of this. The fact that he still has his freedom. The kid lost his life. Right. I think he's a, I think he's a sucky fucking security guard. That's what I think. Yeah. I think if you're going to look at that guy and find fault in what he did, it's how did he handle the situation and would a more confident, competent person have handled it the same way? Like, here's a perfect example. My friend Big John McCarthy, who is a cop. 
I guarantee you, you know, the referee. Oh, U- yeah, yeah, UFC yeah. Referee, he cop that guy? Was a cop oh, for a okay. long time. But a great guy. But knows how to handle shit. If, if Big John McCarthy saw that kid walking in the neighborhood, he probably would have said, how you doing, man? Everything cool? You know, had a conversation with him, everything would have been fine. Like, even if the kid, like, got up in arms or got mouthy with him, he would have probably calmed him down, you know, without having to get into some physical altercation. Not only that, the kid wouldn't have been able to mount him and bash his fucking head off the ground because he's physically incompetent. If you're going to fucking patrol a neighborhood, you can't do it just with a gun. You can't be, you can't have the only, the last resort is your only resort. He can't physically defend himself. He's out of shape, he's soft and doughy, and he's not physically able to hold that guy off. But yet he's put himself in this position where he's like a security. He's the force of of, of the truth of the law. You can't do that. You're not, you're not qualified for that job. He's just not. So when that kid's on top of him, bouncing his fucking head off the curb, look, I don't see any way out for him other than using a weapon. Right. When that kid's beating the shit out of him, but he should have never gotten to that position. It should have never, it should have never escalated to that. You're telling me the only way two people can communicate like that is it comes into violence? No, it, it, it's how do you deal with it? How do you communicate? How did you address this person? What did you say when he talked back to you? What did you say? What, was, what were the exchange of words? Right. You know, and those, those things, there's a big difference between, there was a video that we played the other day. Um, was this some, the, uh, do you even lift, bro? You ever see that guy? The, mm-hmm. the Russian guy. Is he Russian? There's even a worse one. There's Pakistan. Uh, I don't know the Pakistani kids though in New York, where the the Bronx, the police chief in Bronx, New York, was like, "Stop doing it. You're going to get killed." Like these two kids are just going on YouTube and they go up to people in in horrible neighborhoods and are like, "Hey man, you got a problem?" While he's holding a calculator and he's just trying to be funny, but these guys are just bashing their heads in and stuff. And so the Bronx uh, chief police or something like that said, "Look, stop it." But yeah, these videos are getting my, more popular. My point is, if you watch those videos. The guy, he comes up to people that like look like they work out and goes, do you even lift, bro? Look how small you are. And some people handle it great. Some people go, you know, like, man, I don't even, don't pull it up. We don't need to see it. Some people go, yeah, I mean, I don't even lift. You know, I guess I'm small. And then they laugh and they walk away. And some people like threaten them. Like it, it depends entirely on how two people interact with each other. Yeah. And I think that's what we don't know about the Anthony situation. That's what we don't know about the Zimmerman situation. It's not just about what went down. It's about how did it all play out? How could it have been avoided? There's little subtleties in language. Like when Jonah Hill was apologizing recently, um, and, he's, he, and he's obviously not a homophobe. He just got mad and said, suck my dick, faggot. It was a stupid thing in a moment. And he's on The Tonight Show. And again, he's just apologizing. I don't think he never had to deal with something like this. And he said something. He goes, man, the intent doesn't matter. It's the words. The words are... And it was like, again, I know you're on the spot in that moment. And I'm not going to crucify the guy. But it, I, I wish I was there so I could just appear on the seat next to him, like in that Woody Allen scene when the guy walks out to correct the guy online and go, no, the, the intent is everything. Because if the words matter, the next time somebody said the fucking Giants killed the Jets, well, we better call the police. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the intent. We understand every, every, every single interaction or phrase has an intent behind it, which which doesn't always come through in, in the written word. It's just, and the, it's an inflection. And that's something that you and I had a conversation about with the Tracy Morgan situation, with the p- people oh. pretending that what he was saying when he was on stage, you know, that he was going to stab his son if his son was gay. Like, his whole act is filled with him saying ridiculous shit. Yeah. This is not a statement. It's not an affidavit he's making in court. You're, you're taking it out of context because it's a soft target if you do that. Yes. I'm going to stab my son because he's gay, 
as a statement of fact or at the at the end of a political rally is a pretty awful thing to say. <laughs> but if you've opened up with, I'm going to get you pregnant and I'm going to yeah. mold shit and make a hat out of it, it's kind of hard <laughs> to take any one statement and go, well, that's the serious one. But that's, again, that's that purposely ignoring context or even when you can't ignore it, saying, yeah, we understand the context and we don't fucking care. It's just soft targets. People yeah. find soft targets. And those targets, look, if... if they're all ganging up on Anthony, too. That's the other thing. I'm not saying boo-hoo Anthony, right. but let's pay attention to what's really going on. If you're writing an article out of the blue for no reason about Jim Norton, you're the only guy. I think Jim Norton is a despicable person, and you write this article. You have the option to respond to that. And you can go, well, who are you, Mr. Reporter Dickwad? Let's take a look at you, and then... Other people can take a look at him, too. Right. But when everybody's piling on, it's a free-for-all. It's a free ride. And then you're there flailing wildly. Although Louis, Louis C.K. actually raised a really good point about that. When something was happening, he goes, you know, you have to remember, too, everybody's not Googling you. Like, everyone is not Googling Joe Rogan or Jim Norton or Anthony Cumia. Like, so you're seeing uh, every result about yourself, and it appears overwhelming. But the reality is, like, people may be reading Newsday or The Post or the Gawker or, or Vice or, you know, whatever they're reading, but they're not reading every single article on Anthony Cumia or on Jim Norton. So it, that's where the overwhelming thing is sometimes misleading because people are all reading little snippets of it. Mm -hmm. But when, you know, when the company's getting calls from, again, five or six different outlets, to them it feels overwhelming. And, like, what the fuck do we do with this? Because this wasn't on the air. So I think that's what, and again, they haven't discussed this with me. I'm, I'm purely speculating because it, to them, if it was on the air, I'm guessing they would have said, well, that's what he does on the air. But they're not looking at it like, well, he was reacting to being hit. I think they just were like, oh, okay, we got to fire him. Like, yeah. I think that's why they, they kind of just reacted very quickly. I think they fucked themselves. I really do. They fucked themselves because they were supposed to be the place where it was free speech. This is the wild place, but we're the virus. You were, it was the virus channel, remember? Now it's Sirius XM Talk. That's it? It's yeah, Sirius it's, XM Talk? We have to rename it, but we don't know what... Well, they have, they have to, they're not asking for my input. I don't want my name on the show. Like, I want, I want to be on the show, but I don't, I don't want it to be Opie and Jimmy. I don't want people to feel like I'm jumping into Anthony's right. seat, because I'm not. Right. Um, if they call it Opie Show, I'm much more happy with that, because that's what it was before he met Anthony Kumi. I would call it We Miss Anthony. Uh, yeah, that would be kind of, uh, or, or Tony. We'll call it Tony so they don't know who we're talking about. We'll just say, bring, where's Tony? We'll be sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is a horrible, and it's like people get mad at me and Opie, and it's like, we don't, and I tried to say, like, we didn't. Mad at you for what? Because they, they, they people think that we're like a bunch of teenagers hanging out, and like, you guys should walk and support. And it's like, first of all, <laughs> you dumb motherfuckers that say that. Anthony, I've talked to, he wouldn't walk. And he told me, dude, you got to make your money. Like, and it's all, a, and B, I'm under contract. I can't just walk. I have three more months on the contract. And Opie tried to clear this up on the air. Like, if we just walk out, if they don't fire us and we just walk and say a bunch more subs leave because they realize, like, wow, the show really is gone. Then all of a sudden, Sirius wants to take action on us for breach. It's a whole fucking legal. Th people just don't get that part of it. And they think that we're fucking Anthony. You know who doesn't think we're fucking Anthony? Anthony. He knows we're not fucking. Only an idiot thinks you're fucking Anthony, but there's always going to be idiots with opinions out there. Yeah, and, and I'm fine be... with that. I'm, when people say, like, dude, I love you and Opie, but I got to cancel because I, I'm staying with Anthony, I don't get mad at those people. Or if people are like, I'm going to keep serious and I'm also going to listen to Ant, I don't bog. I'm, I'm fine with that too because I get the emotion. Like, whatever they got to do to support Ant is cool with me. I want them to stay because my, in my ideal world, they listen to me and Opie. 
and then they fucking listen to Anthony. There's no competition. I'm, I'm not gonna. We're not like, hey, don't mention Anthony. You know, of when course. his fucking show comes out, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet it because I want him to succeed because he's one of my closest friends. It's gonna succeed. It's going to. If you you know just. He's an entertaining guy. He's an interesting guy. And the yes. platform of the internet is so free and easy. And he's already got a full professional setup at his house. Yeah. People don't know if you've never seen. One of the main reasons I started this podcast is because of Live from the Compound. Because he set up a fucking green screen in his house, a professional studio, and he was playing images behind him of like the city of like he had a green screen i mean yeah. a beautiful green screen po like professional broadcast quality cameras like the whole deal i was like that's amazing and that slowly but surely led to what you're seeing right here like him doing that while he was already on sirius and sirius tried to stop him from doing that they got it. They gave him a hard time about that. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, that was it. I think that was a contractual issue too. Where they're like, "Look, this is the medium you're on." But eventually, they, they kind of like let him do it, and they're like, uh, "It's only helping. It, it would only help the show. It's just more, more advertising, more people paying attention, more entertainment. You know, it's it's gonna get more people. I mean, that's what people are realizing about the internet. I mean, when Lars Ehrlich got all upset at Metallica fans for downloading his shit, and it created this huge shit storm, you know, where everybody's like, dude, don't you have enough fucking money? Like, well, you, you're worried about people downloading your shit? More people are going to come see you in concert. And that's what it really has turned out to be for all musical artists. Yeah, you're not selling as many records, but you're going to get more fans, and there's more people are going to see you in concert. And guess what? That's all your money. When you, when you can set that up and have people just come out and see you in concert, that's actually better. I didn't mind. I'll tell you why I didn't mind Lars doing that. Because I, I think that he kind of saved. What was happening is with the, the music industry was not prepared for the onslaught of downloads. And again, they're greedy twats. The, the, I mean, the business, not the artists, but the fucking guys behind the scenes. They've been raping artists for years, fucking taking all their money. But had it not, because I think iTunes was born of the idea of Napster falling through. So it's like, I kind of like it because now I can go buy a song or two songs. Like, I'm not going to download a whole fucking Nicki Minaj album, but there's one song. You like fucking Nicki Minaj? Looking Ass Nigga is the fucking greatest song <laughs> ever done. It's the fucking greatest thing ever done. I don't want to buy the whole album, but that fucking video is is sexy. Really? I Dude, I fucking love that song. I for real love it. It's great. And that I would buy. I don't want to buy the whole dumb record. I wish we could play it, but we'll get pulled off of YouTube. It, it, it's a song you can't sing also with the windows down, too, I found out recently. It's a lot of inwards. Yes, it really is. <laughs> but the, uh, but the, uh, the lines she uses in that are fucking great. And I, I love the song. So, But that's just an example. Like, I can't buy that whole album. Right. And I like it for my own dumb little CDs that are on iTunes. I like the fact that I can make some money there, um, and they're not just going to... People are still going to steal them. You know, there's still brilliant people out there, but the majority of people aren't computer geniuses. They're just, eh, I'll go to iTunes for a buck and buy a couple of trucks. Like that, yeah, I kind of like. If it's easy to do, people yeah. are going to pay for it. If yeah. it's easy to one click on Amazon, people pay for it. One click on iTunes. Yes. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's the way to do it. Make it so it's convenient. Make it, I mean, I think eventually, 
You're going. You're always going to have people that have digital copies of things online. And that steal they just, them, yeah. It's always going to be the case. But people are getting more and more hesitant to do that because a lot of people are getting fucked. Like people that are downloading illegal pirating of the UFCs, they're getting sued. Uh, people that have downloaded movies are getting sued. People that upload movies, like a lot of those guys that had like a bunch of movies that they were sharing on BitTorrent. They're getting sued for fuckloads of money, man. And 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 people are like, why are they going after the little guy? Here's why: because when the little guy starts to have to, people say you can get sued. Ah, they can't win. Oh, okay, that's how it happens. You walk into court and go, Your Honor, they can't win. And he goes, You're right. No charge. No, you got to pay for a fucking lawyer, and a lawyer's a twenty grand hit minimum. So the average person, when they have to get an attorney, and they realize this is going to cost me ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars just to defend. They don't want to deal with it. So a lot, that's, a lot of times that's what these little lawsuits are about. It's getting people just to back off and discouraging people. Well, I got errors in omissions insurance because of a conversation I had with you. Oh, okay. You told me about it. Yeah. And uh, when you were getting sued. Yes. It's, um, it's a very frustrating process because you realize the legal process is not free. E- even, if it, even if you think you're in the right, but it, in a way it saved me, I think, in the long run, that experience, because now I have it for everything I do. My books... DVDs, CDs, I get everything vetted, and I have like you know three million dollars worth of insurance, which is probably a panicky overkill on my part. But I do that because you want to protect yourself, even from a, a, a uh, what's the word? Uh, not frugal, uh, litig- frivolous, frivolous litigation. I don't know who's going to come after me. Right. Somebody may hear something and, and it may cause them to bang their fucking head into the wall and then say, "I caused an autistic reaction," or "I caused a fucking <laughs> what was the one? What was the one Al Roker made fun of the?" Uh, uh, you know the Tourette's. Yeah, no, the Olympic logo is causing some kind of a uh, epileptic epileptic thing. Yeah. Whatever it is, someone can always file the suit, and you have to pay to defend it. So that type of shit, it's nice to have. You know that really does happen. Yes, yeah. there was a dude that I had on my podcast. His wife was an epileptic, not on my podcast, on my message board. His wife was an epileptic, and uh, someone had a logo that was like flashing, yeah. and he started complaining about it. You guys need to take that down. So then everybody put up a flashing logo. <laughs> like it was, of course. But then he messaged me. He's like, seriously, uh, if my wife sees that, she'll faint. She'll just go into a seizure. I was like, come on, really? So I had to look it up. I'm like, yeah, it does. There's, there was a, a certain television show. That was going on in Japan. It was like a kids show. It's the one with the mighty, or the four guys, uh, Power Rangers. Was it the Power yeah. Rangers? Whatever it was, this television show made kids have seizures for whatever reason. Certain kids that have a certain right issue, they would watch these flashing things and just. just Most video up. games now have that at the beginning. Like if you play the video game, like this game could cause seizures if you have that. Oh, they used to have to warn you, so yeah. it's like you've that's been pre-warned. So fucking weird. And by the way, everything that we deal with that's annoying. Yeah. Everything is because of lawsuits. So we kind of have brought it on ourselves too. Like people are like, why do they have to? Companies have to be so like. I'll get annoyed at serious sometimes. Like what the fuck? And then I'm like, oh yeah. They have a shitload of people working for them, and every one of them has access to human resources. And any one of those people could just go to human resources and say, this is a hostile work environment because of something, you know, because people are like, why can't we look at a girl's ass in the hallway? Go ahead, pinch her ass like it's 1950. And then when they sue the company, <laughs> the company's like, what, like, what the fuck? We got to pay to defend this because you couldn't keep your hands off her? So as much as companies can drive me nuts sometimes... All of these protective barriers that have been put in place have been because citizens have filed lawsuits, some that were very legitimate, like sexual harassment. Guys are kind of pieces of shit with that. Uh, That was probably a bad example because most guys, you know, 
women have told me horror stories what they got to deal with at work. Where I can it's more only than imagine. Just, yeah. yeah, it's more than just a glance. Like, it's, yeah. you know, a guy rubbing his dick on her while they're getting coffee and going, hey, I'm kidding. You know, it's like, how do you fucking deal with that if you're. But, you know, the companies have to deal with this, so then they put all this shit in place to protect themselves from these litigious fucking shithead employees. Yeah, there's both, right? There's real scenarios where people are getting sexually harassed, right. and that is uber fucked up. You know, could you imagine being a chick in an office and some guy you don't want to have anything to do with consistently hits on you and tells Ugh. dirty jokes and fucks with you and asks you if you're gaining weight, if you ignore him. And says, right. You know, they start getting weird. Guys are gross, Creepy. Man. I'm so glad I'm not a chick. I couldn't imagine being a heterosexual woman having to deal with men who want to fuck me. Or just the energy, like the things that you can't prove in court, but the energy of the guy who wants to fuck you yeah. comes over Ooh. with his dumb dick up against the <laughs> fucking top of your desk. How are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm just saying hello. You know, he's you resting. both know what's he's resting it. Yeah, he's fucking <laughs> all mushed up, fucking half plump. Kids fucking making men and women work together for eight hours in a row together in a in a closed in environment. It's automatic sexual tension between some folks. It has to be. Yeah, just there's no way around that, man. No, from a, from a guy's point of view, at least. I think women are better because their whole thing is picking which guys they want to fuck. And pick. I think women are better at going, oh, this, is, uh, you know, this is professional, I'm not going to do that. We're just awful at it. I know, I'm awful at it. Yeah, but it's also like, there's just a, that's the social environment of the office. There's always going to be weirdness sure. you know, in the office. And then if you have those fucking office parties where people get a little liquored up, yep. and it all comes out, that, 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 you start dancing and shit and little nuttiness and... Next thing you know, people are getting fucking sued. And, uh, yeah, you're dropping someone off and you want to jerking off in front of her in the car and she goes in and feels dirty because it whatever, happened. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. What's the big deal over here? What the We're fuck? friends. Fucking... We worked together for six months <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking holiday party, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. I cleaned the dash. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she wanted it. But that's, look, we have female interns. That's what keeps me from hitting on the interns. I'm fucking, as Florentine would say, I'm Pete Professional with the interns. I don't fucking, <laughs> I'll joke with them on the air. I don't fucking look at their asses in the hallway. I don't flirt with them. Because A, the most of them are 21 and 22. I don't want one of them misinterpreting something and going to human resources and going, this 45-year-old piece of garbage is hitting on me, and then I'm going to sue you. Right. And then the company's like, we're going to get sued. What the fuck? Because companies have lost a lot of money with that. Oh, yeah. They've lost in, in legit cases. Oh, yeah. But they don't want to take a chance. Yeah. So then they're going to fucking look at me and go one more time and you fall, you know, whatever. So that's why I don't do it. Another aspect of uh, this crazy litigious society that we live in is patent trolls. That's the thing that uh, Adam Carolla is going yes. through right now when we're all a part of it and we're trying to help him raise money for yes. his legal funds. It's going to cost him a million dollars. A million dollars to defend against this patent troll. Yeah. And they they already had a hearing, and during the hearing, or they had whatever it is, when they meet down and they d discuss the merits of the case, and you know the case is essentially thought to be frivolous, but they're still going forward with motion it. Motion to dismiss. They yeah. probably tried a motion to dismiss, and yeah. they said no. So e either I guess what they will do is go for... My guess will be the next step, or, or they can go for summary judgment, uh, maybe where they, they process all the facts and they say, you know, should we go into depositions or whatever. And again, it might be different in this kind of case, but uh, there's a lot of – that's a, that's a, a patent uh, troll-friendly area where they're from, which is why I think that a lot of these people set up offices in that part of Texas. But fucking the Supreme Court just shot down – they really hurt patent trolls, saying something about you can't patent idea, Like, you can patent – 
a method of delivering an idea, mm-hmm. but you can't patent the idea of just like episodic things on the internet or, or whatever it was that they said you can't do. Yeah, well, let's let's give them a shout out here because Mike August sent me this. Uh, he's the guy who runs uh, Adam's show over there. He sent me this thing about it. It'll give you the whole. The, this is the full deal. So far, they have raised four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars for their um, for their defense. Their most recent bill. This is incredible. They have been running at $100,000 a month. $100,000 a month for the last three months in legal bills. So they're now at a deficit of $20,000. Personal audio has shown no signs of backing down from their litigation posture despite a discovery process that has revealed a completely weak connection to be drawn between their purported patent apparatus and the dissemination of media files that we do as podcasters. So what they're hoping for is that Adam somehow or another taps out, and if he does, then they try to hit everybody who podcasts with, you know, hey, give us 20 bucks a month or whatever the fuck it is. Um, So they're going to have to raise another... Fifty oh five hundred thousand to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to continue with the litigation. Unbelievable! It's, it's incredible. It's sickening. And and the only thing is, and and I don't know what it's like in Texas. I know in New York it's hard to get, but everyone thinks like, well, hey man, I'll just try to get them to make them pay for my legal fees. That doesn't always happen, and 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 it's uh, judges don't like to do that. They don't like to give a. I forget what it's called, but it's when you make the uh, uh, the suing attorney. Or the suing the plaintiff pay the defendant's legal fees. It has to be proven to be such a litigious, a uh, 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 frivolous thing. So that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, and if you want to help, this is the way they've got it set up to help. Um, they have a uh, podcast legal defense fund Amazon account, and what that is is if you buy something from Amazon, if you do it through that account, they get a kickback. They get a piece of the action. So it doesn't cost you anything as a person. So if you use Amazon a lot, like I do, I love to use Amazon. If you use it, please use it through the podcast Legal Defense Amazon Fund. If you just Google that, it's on fundanything.com. You can um, you can find the... Uh, the, the link to it, and Adam has a video up there that explains what's going on and how this all got started. It's really gross. It's, it's, and if you look at what the actual patent is itself, it's, it's crazy that they can sue for it. It's essentially releasing things in a serialized form, like a form one, two, three, and four on the internet. I mean, like that's a playlist. It. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, the idea that you could patent that is just fucking bananas. Yeah, it's, and it's very, I, f- I forget what it's called when they give the money. It's really rare. And in, in London, in England, in London, in fucking uh, England, I think they're much more likely to, because a lot of people are less likely to sue for something that's, that they might be frivolous. Although they may not get a, you may not be able to recover on a frivolous lawsuit because there may be legal merits to this lawsuit, even if, even if they lose. What are the personal audio they're called? They mm-hmm. may it may not be a frivolous suit like in, in the legal system's eyes. The legal system may see this as a legit suit that they win or lose as opposed to a frivolous one. So Adam may not be able to get his money back even if he wins. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I uh, totally hear you. So even if he wins, he might still be hit with all these legal fees. Sure, and of course, whoever loses will can't appeal. Recover. Of course, you, unless because you know I'm guessing that the other place has more money than Adam does. So an appeal will cost money, and everyone who podcasts has a very, very vested interest in this because I don't think it's a, a good lawsuit. I mean, I, I don't think that they're right to ask for this at all. I think it's bullshit. Of course. And um, these guys have already made a shitload of money suing Apple. They, uh, the, they, I think they made 7 or $8 million. $8 million, I think, on the playlist or something. Yeah. There was something about a playlist. Something fucking crazy like that. I have to piss badly. Can Please, I run in there and do it? Piss. I hate to do it. Don't worry about it, man. 
So um, anybody that wants to, to uh, help, just go to fundanything.com. Just, just Google Podcast Legal Defense Fund. Um, Amazon account. Yeah, you'll find it. You'll find it. And just try to do your Amazon shopping through there. If everybody does that, it will make a big difference. And it'll be no hardship whatsoever for uh, anybody you know that's, that's, that's helping to support the show. Also, on their Fund Anything page, they have a bunch of different packages. You know, like one's 20 bucks, one's 40 bucks, or whatever. That comes with a bunch of stuff. So oh. if they want to like help out by using a package. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and Adam's a good guy, and I'm I'm glad he's doing this. I'm glad he's not buckling and just I don't know why he got hit up and other people didn't get hit up. You know, you didn't get hit up. No, oh, I got hit up. I don't understand it. Are you are you asking for money? Because I think it has something to do with subscriptions no. or asking for money. Did you ever ask for any money? No, I mean the only thing that we have at Death Squad is just buying T-shirts, which I've been trying to keep as separate as possible from you know. Well, it's actual... totally separate, right? That's just your T-shirts, <coughs> right? And if you want those, folks, go to getdeathsquad.tv if you see those uh, cats and, and cats. The hat. Cats. The hat we have hats. Right we got now. flasks. We the got hat that you're wearing right now. Yep, the, the one I have right now. Kapow, ladies and gentlemen, and flasks, flasks. Yeah. So you can you could be one of those old timey drunks. Put a, a warm <laughs> flask of whiskey in your your back pocket and fart right. on it all day and pour it into your coffee. Or protect your chest pocket from bullets. Yeah, yeah that does happen <laughs> upon occasion. By the way, thanks for the, the fanny pack. I like it a lot. You like it. It's huh? really, and the first thing nice. I thought of, because I, I toured with Dice, was Dice would go nice, nuts for this. And you're like, yeah, Dice, you had something to do with that. I'm like, well, Dice got a Roots fanny pack and he was wearing it. It was beautiful. And I was like, where'd you get that fanny pack? And he was like, go check it out. Oh! Yeah. And he gave it to me uh, to check out. And uh, I ordered one from Roots and then I contacted Roots and I had them design mine with the Higher Primate logo on it. So good, dude. So I'm selling those. Yeah, fucking fanny packs, the way to go. People are scared of fanny packs. Let me explain something to you. A girl who will not fuck you because you're wearing a fanny pack was not going to fuck you anyway. Absolutely. And if she was going to fuck you, it wasn't going to be worth it. It was going to be one of those where she fucks you, she's like, ugh. Like, what am I doing? Plus, I'm, I don't try to get laid in my fanny pack. Like, I don't, I don't like going to a club wearing a fucking fanny pack. I wear it when I fly. I like to fly comfortably. And people are always like, what are you wearing that for? Because I don't want shit in my pockets. That's why. Sorry, <laughs> I'm supposed to look like the Fonz on a fucking plane. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm, why am I doing the Fonz? Fucking, but you, you know who the Fonz is. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, why, why try to be a fucking cool image on the plane? It's like, I'm flying. I'm, I'm, in, I'm right from the airport right now. I'm wearing my oversized Aussie shirt, my sweatpants. It's like that. You fly to be comfortable. Yeah, and that's such an easy thing to do. You take that thing off, put it in the tray, it goes through, you're done, clip it back on. You don't have to empty your pockets mm -hmm. out. And it doesn't include yeah. as a, one of your carry-ons either when you have it around your waist. So if you have like a backpack and a, and a suitcase, you could also have a fanny pack attached to your body so it doesn't count as much. Not true. No? It does with certain cunts. Uh, really? You yeah. had that? I had a woman tell me that I had to take it off and I put it in my bag. I'm like, are you serious? I go, what's the difference between this and a pocket? She goes, it, it's a bag, sir. You have to have your bag inside another bag, or you're going to have to check it. Oh, She's just being a cunt. Of course she was. And I was like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> but you so can't I, say you're being a cunt, because that's a really, that, yeah. that's the one that let you on the plane. She was cunty. She, of course she was. So I just uh, opened up my backpack and stuffed it in there, but I was like, this is the dumbest fucking shit ever. Like, is it her? I'm sitting, by the way, in my seat when she said this to me. Wait, you were on the plane? Yes, on the plane, oh. sitting in my seat with my my belt buckled, the whole deal. So I had to take off what? the fanny pack and put it in my fucking backpack. The one one time only for this one chick that just decided. That's yeah. ridiculous. Well, was it? You know, that's what happens, man. You run into the wrong person. Was it the, a major airline or was it yes. a, a subsidiary, like a, a smaller, like you know, you have you Delta. Have, 
you've Delta, but was it a big plane or a small yep, plane? Big okay. plane. Because a lot of times the ones on the like you had Continental, the Continental Express, United, mm-hmm. United Express, and the United Express and Continental Express. There, there are other airlines or American Eagle. That's not American Airlines. They're a smaller airline operating with the American logo. Uh, so they're a totally separate airline. So what will happen is, uh, you know, they, they, to me, on the smaller planes are fucking worse with the regulations. Headphones out, please. Like whether you were listening to music or not. Right. It, it never happened to me on a big plane. It was always those little American Eagle, United Express, Continental Express, or whatever the Delta was. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, because you're not operating. They, they, they're operating some equipment. It's like uh, Corgan Express, or whatever the fuck it's called, is the actual airline. They use United Paint and United Ticket but they're operating kind of as a courier service for United or whoever the, they are. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's It's got to be a tough gig to be a flight attendant. Sure. But, but she, that's just creating issues. There's no need to do that. I'm, I'm friendly. If you're with me, I've never gotten an issue. I mean, I didn't even argue with her. I, I said, really? I got to take this off? And she goes, yes, sir, that's a bag. I'm like, all right, just put it in my bag. I'm done. You know, I'm not, I, don't yeah. need, I don't need to... But that's just creating an issue for no reason. I saw a man and another man get in a mild dispute about something. And this woman, who was the flight attendant, treated both of them like they were fucking children. And just rode it into the ground. Didn't let it go. Brought out the pilot. Made the pilot talk to both men. Totally unnecessary. What were they disputing, though? They were disputing overhead space. And this is what happened. Um, a guy had more than one thing in an overhead, and another guy went to put something in. He like opened up the thing, and there was no space in there. And I think he said something like, "You know, you've got, you know, why do you have two things in there?" And the guy said, "Hey, first comes, first serve." And the other guy says, "Bullshit!" And he sits down. That's it. One guy's got two bags. He puts it in there, and he goes, there's no, there's no room for other people. He goes, hey, first come, first serve. The other guy goes, bullshit, and he sits down. That's the whole dispute. The woman wouldn't let the guy have a drink. The guy asked for a drink. She goes, no, you're not going to have a drink. If I decide to let you have a drink later, I'll let you have a drink. She brought out the, the, uh, the, the uh, pilot, and she even talked to me. She was like, if things go crazy, you know, if either one of these guys gets out of line, you know, I'm looking to you to, to take care of this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, these fucking, these guys aren't, no one's getting out of, you're creating something out of nothing. But she kept harping on it and pestering. You know how there's some people that if they get in an argument about something, like what, whatever it is, if they, they, there's something that winds them up, even if it's minor, they will beat it into sure. the ground until it becomes major. Yeah. They'll just ride you, ride you, ride you until you're like, you shut the fuck up. It's almost like she was trying to get these guys to blow up so she could justify her whatever internal strife, her internal anger that she was projecting onto the situation. But I saw the whole thing go down. It was so minor. Either that or she was on a flight once where two drunks began arguing and the flight got diverted and then she was late. Like she was supposed to meet a guy with a huge dick and she missed it because her plane had to land in Des Moines. <laughs> I like your story better. I like that. Because my story, she's just a, a fucking measly cunt. <laughs> and in my story, she was fucking on her way to get some giant dick and she didn't want either one of these fucking petty zillers just to interfere (laughs) (laughs) it was just it was the way she talked to them it was like she had a green light 
Sure, to say what she wanted, to mm-hmm. push the issue as hard. They really do, and look, I mean, after 9-11, we all changed what we saw flying, and we got to give them a lot of leeway. But there does get to be a point where you have to be able to go like, look, you're being a fucking complete and utter twat right now. Yeah. But you can never say that anymore, ever well, again. Well, I do look at situations very differently. If I see people getting in a dispute on an airplane, I, I do look at it like as a potential. I mean, I don't look at it as like a terrorist situation, but I do look at it as a potential like, whoa, you know, people do bad shit to each other sometimes. Bad shit can go down. Sure. And people are still allowed to carry a lot of fucking dangerous shit on planes. They took away pool cues, and they took away knives and a few things, and they were going to bring back pocket knives and pool cues, but then they changed it because uh, what happened? Someone did something. For, oh, that guy showed up in LAX and shot a bunch of TSA workers. Remember that? He yep. killed that one TSA worker. That guy, they, they pulled back this regulation change that they were going to have because of this guy. But people still bring skateboards on. You could fuck somebody up with a skateboard. Or MacBook Pro, even. That, oh, that yeah. shit's fucking titanium. Or just let yeah. it get all, or close it while it's still on, because they always heat up and then say to somebody, hold this, and like, ah, and scar their arms. <laughs> That's like a really passive way to beat somebody up. <laughs> yeah, especially if you rub the bottom of it and get it all frictiony. Yeah. <laughs> you just rub it on them and watch them get shocked and burn. But the, yeah, the, the, the idea of uh, violence on a plane just freaks a lot yeah. of people out. And, it and should. It plays, again, the diversion of the flight. Yeah. The, the, we've seen too many videos of guys yelling and screaming or that one fucking bipolar cunt, wherever they're from, trying to open the door. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you a big part of it. And we've seen so much more in the last 20-something years because there's no more smoking on planes. And I'm glad. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of what you see in rageful situations is people jonesing for cigarettes because there were times where I couldn't have a cigarette Best thing I ever did was quit smoking in 2001. But when I'd be on a flight, if we were going, when I was opening for Dice, we were going to Dallas and say there was an hour delay. Fuck, that's another hour. I can't smoke. And you start your body, you start to feel that fucking, that withdrawal. And a lot of people are probably going through that on planes and freaking out that they can't smoke. Oh, I guarantee. And I'm glad they can't smoke, but I think that's a part of... And then these fucking petty douches not even letting you have the fake. Some of the fake cigarettes do smell. Kurt Metzger... Uh, who's a good friend of mine was writing for the the show that I'm doing. We would smoke these fucking things in the editing bay. They smell like vanilla bark, and they are nowhere near as offensive as a real cigarette. But it was still like it was like a sweet asshole wafting. It was like, Kurt, what the fuck you doing? He had one that was smoking in here for a while. It was strawberry. Yeah. Well, you know the thing I'm reading about those is they don't know if that shit's safe because you're breathing something. It's not vapor. Right. You're breathing something that has something in it. Sure. You know, and there's no studies that have been done on it. There's no studies about the secondhand smoke and what it, whatever it is. It's it's also you're making someone breathe your smell. Yeah. You know, it's it's like if you were spraying perfume in the area, I'd be like, come on, fuckhead, why are you spraying perfume? Right. You're making people aware of your scent. Just like wearing perfume. Yeah. Women uh, don't know how to wear perfume, right? Most some do. Them. Most of them. Don't. You're generalizing like crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you you can go anywhere where there's women and smell perfume if you focus in on it. You know, like why am I smelling having to smell this? I was in a restaurant recently, and some guy had one of those big ass vapor pipes. I mean, it was like a big fat tube one that he was puffing on. And the fucking, it was filling the restaurant with smoke. Right. But because it's like a vapor pipe or whatever the fuck it's supposed to be and not lighting a fire, it's supposed to be okay. But I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, Because I was eating with my kids and I was like, we're sitting here in this guy's smoke. Right. It was a lot of it. I mean, he was taking these, and you could see it. It wasn't like those blue cigarettes. You know those things? Those sure, yeah. Blue e-cigs. When you blow those out, it's like it's up and it's gone in right. seconds. It doesn't have any smell. This you could That's kind of what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Those are the ones that are okay. 
But those those fat ones that are like they're all different in their delivery method. They're all different in the the, the way they burn the oils and tobacco oil. Some of them it's fucking smoke. It's smoke. I mean, you're, you're just you're burning oil instead of burning plant matter. Okay, yeah, it's true. That's true. They yeah. have smokeless ones now, though. Also, those you know, those you can't argue with, and also gum. You know, nicotine gum, I guess, is yeah. great. It for never helped one. me when I was smoking. No? I would try it on planes. It, it tastes like pepper, and it never did anything for me. Um, it makes me want to puke almost. Does, like, isn't yeah. Marin addicted to those? Yeah, a lot. So is Rich Voss. This is how awful Rich Voss is as a human. <laughs> he'll fucking come in the studio, and he'll be he'll be chewing them in mid story, and then he'll tuck one up under his gum. Have you ever had Voss on here? Oh, and he'll eat God. though while one is under his gums. He'll oh. eat. A fucking, God. he'll eat a tuna fish sandwich. Oh, say it the way he would say it too. Yeah, tuna fish, uh, <laughs> or, or you know, or fucking you know, white fish. Whatever awful food he'll eat. White fish with, with his fucking thing tucked up under. Um, you know, Voss is a weird guy. Very. And he's one of my fa- He's really one of the most underrated funny people. He's very funny, yes. and he's funny Ooh. off the cuff more so than he is on stage. Lightning. This is a joke that we've been quoting. We had Pete Rose in the other day. I, I listened. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. And, and the line, the line he had that was it was so fast. It was it was almost depressing. Whereas uh, I think Pete Rose said to Voss, he goes, uh, "Hey, you're a little." When Bob Kelly was in, and he goes, "You're a little winded." And Voss goes, "That's because I had to walk around you and Bobby, <laughs> <laughs> like that fast. So fast. It was it was like he had been waiting for someone to say, Voss, you seem winded.' Yeah. So just when you want to just take a fucking a, a pickaxe and hit Rich in the chest, <laughs> he reminds you of his comedic brilliance. Like he'll he's, do something like chew the gum with the white fish, and you hate him, but then he like, says something that's so comedically brilliant. Like this guy, there's a genius to Rich Voss. I love how you guys had just gotten done talking about how no one's going to sit in Anthony's seat. You should probably put a glass box around it. Yeah. Voss comes in the room. The first thing he does is sit in Anthony's seat. And he goes, I never really liked that guy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a fucking Asperger's funny guy. Like, that's where Voss is. He's completely... He'll make fun of anybody. He'll make fun of anything. Like, he, he kind of... There's a purity to Rich that... It and he's really 60. Is. He's fucking... He just turned 57, yeah. Wow. He's really up there. And he's childish. And... uh <laughs> He's petty. How old is his kid? He's got a few. He's got three. His, his daughter, Rain, I think is six or so with Bonnie or five. And his other kids are so like college So he had her age. when he was 52. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's hope. Yeah. Wow. And That's his crazy. other kids are grown. They're like college age girls. Wow. Older. And uh, Have he, you ever listened to their podcast? I have. I, I did it once. I did the, uh, I was the guest. It's I, painful. I think Bill Burr's doing it uh, in Montreal. Where they, uh, my she's, wife hates me. She's so brutal to him. She, <laughs> she's so brutal. And she's so much faster than him. Uh, she's so smart. But it's so funny to listen. They, nobody has a better sense of humor about each other as a couple. Like, I've seen them brutalize each other. Like, the things that would destroy me as a, as a member of a couple. And they just laugh it off and they're fine. <laughs> I can't believe. They're like two goldfish. Like, they just forget the <laughs> hatred they spewed at each other. And, and uh, yeah, my wife, they, they're so funny together it's yeah. like to me that's the relationship that two comedians should have and i could never have one well it'd be a great reality show um, i'm amazed that they don't have one because the business stinks that's why the our, our show business stinks that they haven't taken fucking rich and bonnie um these these two but have they been presented anywhere a million times and they're good at pitching shows and bonnie is really good at it they're funny in the meetings uh i don't know why they haven't maybe because they don't uh I don't know. I was just saying maybe they don't. I couldn't even think of a follow-up reason. I, the only I don't thing know. that I could think of is that shows with comedians. I mean, how many reality shows with comedians have there been? Tammy Pascatelli had a show for a while. Remember that? I do not. Um, who else? 
Does anybody I mean Last Comic Standing is Mining kind is of a reality? Slower, kind of. You think it's because comedians death, are yes. too? That would have did it. Paulie Shore killed the whole yeah, fucking genre. Faked it. <laughs> or is it because comics are actually concise, funny, and not situational? Like comedians are not goofy, situation funny. Like, uh oh, doesn't realize she's putting pepper on her oatmeal. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, every dumb cunt in a reality show does something stupid. I'm gonna look for a watch. Boom, boom. It's upside down. Hey, it's yeah. six, seven Where o'clock. Where are my keys? You're holding them. Oh. What? Yeah, and comics would just dissect. Comics yeah. are too in the moment. This is how dumb we are as comedians. We'll say like, you know, hey, what, what do you want me to do? There's a guy with a camera looking at me. Why? You know, we yeah. acknowledge too much. Right. I did Family Jewels. I roasted Gene, and then they wanted me to do this kind of like pseudo reality thing at the end with Gene and, and his wife and, and someone else. But of course, like a douche, I referenced the camera guy. I'm like, you're not supposed to mention that he's here. Oh, what? Like, maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're too... We don't know how to shut the fuck up. I love Gene Simmons. I can't watch that show. It's just so goddamn fake. I love him, too. I love him. I can't watch the show. I saw him the other day. He was at the Glory Kickboxing Fights in L.A. It was fucking awesome to see him again. Yeah. But however, can't watch. I, there's just so much fuckery in those shows. There's no reality shows. Every reality show has these fixed scenarios, and they're faking shit that like you would never think they fake. Right. Like there's certain like they were talking about the storage war shows. You know, they just fill those storages. They fill them. They set it all up. It's all fake. No one know. Open the door. We don't even know what's in there. What's in that typewriter? You fucking put it there. Yeah. They put the whole thing there. <laughs> they put everything in those boxes. It's all fake. You're hoping that they open one from fucking uh, from Hannibal Lecter's one of his clients. Nice limo with a fucking head in the jar. <laughs> that'd be a that'd be a great. Oh, Hester Moffat. You know, yeah, you know, you're hoping it's one of those. But yeah, you're right. It's all fixed. And the only real one was the Osbournes. Sharon said there was no take two ever. You didn't they, have to because it was nine months of filming. They don't want to commit to that kind of filming. They don't want to take the time it would take. Because I think that my life is fascinating and like wow. They, but I, I look at my life. I'm like. All right, episodic reality show, Jim Norton. I wake up, I go do the radio, I come home, I go to the gym. There's nothing there. Maybe a couple of funny lines on the radio and me in the gym. I'm tired again. All right, there's a minute of a show killed. Here's the real show. You getting prostitutes. I That's thought of that. I've tried to pitch that to Vice and they didn't want it. I'm like, <laughs> I want to go from, bro- yeah, look, here's the thing. Like, I go from fucking place to place in brothels. And I give you reviews. And, and they're just they, like, no one They will, said no? Well, like, what's entertaining about finding, like, me getting blowjobs? Everything. Like, but they won't show the blowjobs, and the hookers probably wouldn't sign up for it. They don't have to. They have a big blurry thing over everybody's head. I, here's what I wanted to do. This was my, my idea for a reality segment. I really wanted to do this with Massage Girls. Because I, I fucking, like, so, like, I'm drinking this, any type of milk product, I'm, I'm fucking a horrible farter. <laughs> and I really wanted to take a hidden camera and have Massage Girls come over and somehow... Like signal the camera when I'm gonna cut a gasser. Like, like I'll say beforehand. Every time I say the word yellow, it means I'm about to fart. So you'll you'll see me on there, and I'll go like, you know, like yeah, something something yellow, and then I'll fart maybe quietly, and then you can watch her react. <laughs> but the problem is you can't show the face, and and too many of them would say no to that. But that's what I wanted to do. But how how long would that be interesting? Jim farts during massages. Yeah, but you say that people wouldn't like the, you couldn't go to brothels, but you could if the girls were porn stars. That's true. Mm. That is true. Yeah. And I would do that. I would love to do that. But then I'm like, Colin Quinn a long time ago reminded many many years when I first started going to Opie and Anthony, I was dating a British girl, 
and she was a real pervert. Like I drove a Saturn back then. I still lived in Jersey, and I used to fucking park outside of Dangerfield, and she would blow me. I would trap. She liked me to trap her head under my steering wheel, and she would go like, "I want you to bite me. I want you to bite me." Like she would repeat this this mantra (laughs) of me biting her on her back. Like she liked to be bitten and brutalized. Wow. So I would bite her back, and she'd be like, "I want you to make me suck it," and then I would hold her head under the wheel, and she would be trapped under my Saturn (laughs) steering wheel. And fucking, she would suck my dick and lick my balls and what whatever. What a good kid. She was a good girl, yeah. Her name is Ruth. She was a really cool Powerful girl. Powerful Ruth. Yeah, good. For, I haven't talked to her in 15 years, but she was a Too great, bad. great girl. I miss her terribly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think she went back across the pond. Hello. As they say. Wow. And uh, what was the point of the story? Uh, uh, oh, Colin. Colin. Was, she was really loud when I ate her pussy. <laughs> really super loud. And it was... What would she say? I don't remember. Just moaning and groaning what? loud. Yeah. Jimmy. One of those things, yeah. It was, Bite it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like whatever it was. I, I Be can't. a hooligan with my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, beat, beat my pussy like it's Manchester United. You know what I'm saying? But I can't, it was a really loud, and her pussy was sloppy, fucking wet. Like it was legit. <laughs> like I knew she wasn't putting on a show because her pussy was right. sloppy. But, oh, yeah. but I was going to eat her pussy on the air. Opie had, this before I was like every day. And Opie had said, call in and eat your pussy on the air. And I was going to do that. And Colin Quinn stopped me. And he goes, ah, you know, and he goes, you can do that. He goes, but man, you're a comic. You got to say funny shit. You don't want to be that guy that does wacky things. And I'm like, I never forgot that. He was almost telling me, don't be a stunt boy. You got to say it funny. You got to sit there and be funny verbally. And I, I maybe in that case, he was right. Because I wasn't the, the wacko who called up and ate pussy on the air. Mm. It's like I have to be able to be funny in my delivery and say, and I was like, ah, that was kind of a good point. And looking back in hindsight, I probably should have eaten her pussy on the air because it'd be a very funny clip. Yeah, I know what you're saying, though. I know what he was saying. Yeah. You, you can get stuck in that trap of being the stunt guy. Having to one-up yourself every time. Like, oh, no, Jim Norton did this crazy thing. He put his asshole, his finger in his asshole. It's like, yeah. I'd rather be the guy that talks about it than the guy that actually demonstrates it and gets the laugh because then if I talk about it people are like oh, that's not as funny yeah isn't that a weird thing where people get trapped in that stunt guy thing like there's a lot of those stunt guys that are on radio shows yeah. like there was a radio show that I did where they made this guy dress up like a cow and roller skate and jump over a chair uh-huh. and if he didn't jump over the he didn't make over the chair so they had to punish him and so, uh, like, and he was like, you know, just accept whatever punishment they had. And the punishment was, uh, I, I choked him unconscious. Oh, God. Like, and, and I go, you sure you want to do this? He's like, I got to do whatever they tell me to do. I go, really? It was, like, so weird. I was like, this is a local radio show. Like, like you really have to do this? But he was like, com- like he was like a slave. Like, in sort of right, like, like sure. I will do, I will do what master tells me to. I will do what they tell me to do. So I choked him unconscious. A slave for the recognition of the radio show. They just sat there, and I put my arms around him. I go, let me know when you're going to tap out. Like, if you if you can't take it anymore, just tap out, and I'll let you go. You ready? And he's like, yeah, and I just squirrels him out. And the weird thing is, good luck doing that on regular radio again. That's probably a can't while do ago. It anymore. No way. One no. lawsuit, one person dies drinking water. You know, you're lucky you get a fucking a bottle of water in the studio now, because they all panic. Yeah, you're letting it. some guy collapse your fucking windpipe, you know? Like, I know how to do it, but what if I didn't know how to do it? What if I hurt him? Yeah. And you know, you the UFC sent out a memo, or they told us, I forget what it was, whether it was official or non-official, a few years back, two people got sued for taking photos with people where they were choking them in the picture as a joke. Oh, my. Matt Hughes got sued, and Chuck Liddell got sued. Both frivolous lawsuits where a guy with I get it 
all the time. Guys either say, can I choke you out in a picture? Which I say no. And then they say, well, can you choke me out in a picture? Like one of those two always comes up. Yeah, and the... Uh I, what what that but that to me like what a piece of shit move that mm-hmm. is. Well, one of the guys was a bad cop. One of the guys that the Matt Hughes guy they investigated him. Turned out the dude was like doing something drug related, something dirty. Wound up going to jail. Oh really? Yeah, because of that. Well, because cool. of the investigation that started from him suing Matt. He goes, Matt Hughes. You know the guy says, let me. Uh, we take a picture choking me. So he's choking the guy, sure. and the guy's going like that, and takes a picture, and then takes that photograph and says, Hey, Matt Hughes choked me. I want. Uh. I want to get some money. How Same f- thing with Chuck Liddell. I think Chuck actually wound up. I don't know if he wound up paying him, but I, there was a. It was a real situation. I, I I always asked those guys to do things. I haven't done it in a while. Whenever they were in studio, but it was on video, yeah. so there was the context yeah. of me asking. I guess. No, um, it was obvious. It was uh, and it was and you tapped out. And it was like I just want to feel it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You did it with Fedor. I've had Fedor has pu- choked me and punched me. He enjoyed it because he punched me hard, and then he was choking me, and I was like, "All right, all right, tap, tap, tap," and he did it again, and then he smiled, and he did it again. Like he's a fucking, he's a really he's a brutal Russian. Yeah, uh, Velasquez <laughs> choked me. I think it was a guillotine choke, standing guillotine. I think uh, brutal, oh, and yeah. I mean, Ronda fucking armbarred me. Um, <laughs> I never did anything with Liddell or Rampage. Funny because they were before Silva kicked me. Uh, John Jones hurt me the worst. He fucking John Jones put his knee in my uh, he John Jones's thing. He's punched me before, choked me. Fucking Uriah made me go like, ah! It stopped. They've all injured me. John Jones <laughs> putting that fucking shin in my uh, thigh, like a like or, or a knee to the thigh, whatever he did, it hurt so badly. I almost vomited on the floor. There's Randy choking. Oh, right. Couture did it too. Yeah. And Patrice was in studio that day and he said to Randy, pretend, use the same technique you'd use if you were choking out a clam. <laughs> I forgot that he was there until the clam. A, yeah, he really smashed me. But uh, there was one, uh, yeah, Jones hitting me with the... Uh, the, that's the one right there. Well, he's choking me now. <laughs> All right, you ready? Okay, yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> but he does something else, too. Where, look at how fat so I am. He uh, does something else where he puts his shin in my fucking uh, leg. Did and he kick you, or did he just j- just? It was kind of like a... I don't know. You'll know if we can fast forward to it. You'll know what it is if you see it. It was so... Shocking to my system, I almost threw up on the console. It was, it was. Uh, I almost fainted. I, had to, I actually walked out of the fuck. That's probably a different time. I went to the bathroom and th- threw water in my face. Whoa! Because it was like, it was like my whole system overloaded. Like, and he <sighs> believe me, he could have. It was, you know, it was twenty percent of his strength. Yeah, if that. But he was. Yeah. It was fight week. Never do that shit. They're in fight. A, they're ornery, and B, they're in fucking combat mode. That was a dumb time to do it. <laughs> I, like you know, the first, the first. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Close your eyes. No. Uh, I don't. I don't want to be combative with my hands. Go ahead. That seems okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right here. Yeah. All right, here okay. We go. Oh no. What's he gonna do? God, this sucks. Two and three. Oh. <laughs> uh, he just, he leg kicked you. Yeah. That was a leg oh, kick. That's a, that a gentle <laughs> leg kick. Yeah. That was essentially the weight of his shin yeah. and his leg. And he put something into it, but not enough to do Very any type little. of real damage. It was just where it was. 
I couldn't believe I reacted that way. Like my system was like, you know, that lightheaded tingly feeling you get? Well, like I'm going to vomit. I'm going to vomit. And then I was like, I'm going to pass out. I had to go to the bathroom and put water on my face like a fucking, like an old lady. But that's a, that's a really painful technique. Yes, it this certainly is, is. It doesn't, it's a weird thing because those guys, they're so used to fighting off a of pain and dealing with the pain and the adrenaline of the fight that a lot of people underestimate the impact of leg kicks. I've, uh, I've learned, like, you know, everyone knows UFC hurts and mixed martial arts is painful. But after doing that, I've been like, it makes you watch the sport differently. Mm. Like, like to watch, like, I'll watch it. I, my favorite fighters are those fucking Brazilian, like, you know, those leg kickers, man. Those fucking Jose Aldo's or, uh -huh. or Barbosa. Those guys that, like, like it yeah. slaps. Oh, yeah. Because after experiencing that, I'm like, the fact the guy can stand there and still fight after having his leg kicked like that, it never ceases to amaze me that they don't immediately collapse and just go home. Well, they don't feel it as much because of the adrenaline of the fight, but it is unbelievably painful, even with the adrenaline. And then after it's over, like, did you ever see the Uriah Faber, Faber fight? Sure, yeah. Where his whole leg, after he fought Aldo, was swollen to twice the size of his other leg. Yeah. He took all these photos of it and posted them on Twitter, like, as it was healing. It was just a giant purple sausage it was crazy or when you see the leg up. kicks that knock the guy's leg back like when the guy's standing there and that leg kick that sweeps like if you kick a guy's leg hard enough to sweep it back where he's almost off balance like yeah. man that's a really hard Ouchiwawa. kick and when Silva <laughs> kicked me I kept trying to get him to kick a little harder because he was going no. so gently he's a nice guy he's a very nice okay yeah, he's such a meek like pleasant fellow uh, and then he just he kicked me slightly harder and, and it just jarred my head when he kicked me in the arm. And I had a headache for two hours <laughs> because my head jarred and I wasn't ready for, you know. Yeah, well, that's, you know, one of the places where concussions take place. Like everyone thinks a concussion is when you get hit in the head. But this doctor is explaining to me that a concussion is anything that happens from your chest up. Like you can get a, a like hit really hard in a football match. You can get hit really hard, like in right. the chest in a game. And you get a concussion because the impact that makes your head bounce right. around, your brain sloshes around inside your skull, and you get a concussion from that. So you don't even have to get hit in the head to get a concussion. Yeah, it, it's it's every one of those moves hurt a lot. And the, when you feel the grip that a guy like that puts on you, like again, like a cane is a fucking monster. But I mean, anyone who puts a grip on you, it's like it, it is simply an unbreakable situation I'm in. Like, I am only alive and not fucked in the ass because he's choosing <laughs> not to do those things. It's a really weird feeling to be... It, it makes you... like the, Maybe the older you get, the more aware you are that bad shit can happen. But it makes you very cautious in life. Like, these are the guys that are walking around. And, like, you try not to start confrontations with people for no reason because you don't know who has a pistol. That woman who assaulted Anthony had no idea that he's a guy with a gun. And lucky right. for her, he's not a maniac with a gun. He's oh, just a shit talker had, on Twitter. What if he just had a really good leg kick? That would have... decided, to, I'm not going to punch abroad, but wah whack Yeah. Ah! But then, but then they would have said he struck a woman. Yeah. And then he would have been even probably more fucked because it would have been legal proceedings. You know, she would have said this, this... Why didn't he just show the gun? You know, no. like, why didn't he... It's very illegal. No, no, very, very illegal. illegal? Yes. No, no, no. Yes. Especially when you, you look like fucking... <laughs> yeah. Really? You can't just show it? No, yeah. you're not supposed to do that. First of all, Ant looks like Chef from Apocalypse Now. Nobody <laughs> wants him to be flashing a Joey gun. Joey Cola told me that he was working at Pips in, in Brooklyn, and some guy in the front row was heckling him and showing him his gun. You fucking piece of shit. You fucking piece of shit. You fucking terrible. Saying all this crazy shit to wow. him. And he goes, and I'm upstairs. I just got to keep going with my jokes. I'm up there telling my jokes. You know Joey Cola. Nicest guy yeah. in the world. And he's he's on stage. And this guy keeps brandishing his gun. Is Pips even around anymore? Uh -uh. It's not even around anymore. Right? I just talked to a guy the other night who said he used to own Pips. I forget. <laughs> he's like, oh, we're always trying to get you in there. I, I mm. did it when the Schultzes had it. 
And then I think Ray Garvey took over, and Ray Ray died. He had uh, stomach cancer. Did you know Ray or no? No, I never worked there. I did a few spots there. I never worked there either. I probably went there with Otto one time, and you know, or whatever, because Dice was already long gone. Dice used to do that place a lot. That's where right? he's from. Dangerfield, all those guys from Pips. But uh, George Schultz <clears throat> had it. Seth Schultz. Um, you know, or, 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 or when Marty and uh, I think Marty and Seth had it when I did it. Dangerfield still around? It is still yeah. going strong. I haven't done it in a long time. Um, I used to do that. That that was one of the ones that helped me work on my my shit because you get twenty five minutes to go up and I would put some notes on the piano. There's that black piano. It's a black. It reminds me of the comedy store, mm-hmm. and you'd go up and there's a history there and just do your shit. And um, I, I worked out a lot of fucking material. I paid my rent when I lived with Jim Florentine in North Jersey. I would do seven spots on a Saturday, uh, Saturday and six on a Friday. And I would do Dangerfield Cellar, Dangerfield Cellar from fucking First Avenue and 60th to West Third and McDougal. And I drove and I would have to park my stupid fucking Saturn. And uh, you, you knew where to park. And, you know, it was a whole system I got into. But Dangerfield's really helped me develop as a comic. Did you ever do the prom shows there? Yes, I did. They're horrible. Did but you were making 75 a set. And it was like, yep. fuck, not bad. And you did a lot of sets. Uh-huh. How many sets would we do a night? Sometimes you do, it depends on how many fucking awful uh, teenagers are coming in. But sometimes it'd be three or four. A night you could make an extra 300 bucks. Uh, or sometimes just one. One of the most painful prom shows ever is I did Caroline's years ago, and I did a prom set, and Willie Tyler and Lester were on the show. And, you know, I knew them from, you know, Solid Gold, nice whatever guy. shows. Very nice guy. And a, one of the best ventriloquists ever. And he's on stage, and it was just not for the kids' material. You know, it was a little like, he's, and he's doing some song, I believe I can fly, you know, and the fucking puppets singing. It's a fun song. And these kids from the Bronx were just not enjoying it. It was ugly. <laughs> Fly home, motherfucker. You suck. Oh, it was horrible. Oh. I've never. And he smiled and kept it professional and didn't acknowledge any of it. He would, that talk about take your money and, and get out. That's what he did. Do you remember Alu Bell? Sure, I do. Alu Bell. Alu Bell. I heard he had a giant cock. That's what I remember about Alu Bell. Really? I've heard he had a big cock. Yeah. Alu Bell was on stage. We're doing prom shows at Dangerfields, and a kid got on stage. This big football player kid came on stage, took the microphone from Alabel and blew cigar smoke in his face. Had a cigar. And he was standing on, on stage and all his friends were cheering and no one did anything about it. And I was like, wow. That's why I stopped working there. Not because it didn't happen to me, but they wouldn't, I didn't feel they took, they didn't protect the comics enough from hecklers. Like they would never call, throw people out and that's why I stopped working there. Well, it's very much like the comedy store in that way. Both old sort of dark places and both with no crowd control. Yeah. They had one guy. Do you remember Bobby? Oh, I, I met Bobby one time. Bobby would take care of shit. I worked with Bobby a lot. He was a Scottish guy who was about five foot eight wide and five foot eight tall. He was a fucking tank, this guy. But he wasn't fat, right? He was like no. a bull. Well, yeah. you know, he wasn't the skinniest guy in the world, but he was a power lifter. And he was strong as fuck. And something happened. I forget what it was. But I saw him pick a guy up by his neck. He literally grabbed this guy by the back of his neck and picked him up like a kitten. <laughs> Like he had his hand on this guy's neck, hoisted him up out of his chair, grabbed his belt, and just carried him out. And the guy just went limp. Like feeling how strong Bobby was, he just like, fuck this. He just completely went limp, and Bobby carried him outside and tossed him. Yeah, he's a legendary guy, Bobby. Uh, everyone loved him. Whatever he, happened to that guy? He died. Oh. He died a long time ago. Yeah, he died many years ago. I what? think. Uh, what did he die of? Don't know, actually. He was out. I think Tony's son. 
Tony, who ran it with Rodney, his mm -hmm. son took over for a while. And I haven't yeah. seen his son Darren in many years either, but he was the guy I kind of got to know. Yeah, I knew Darren. Was Darren. Yeah. And um, Bobby, I only met once when I went in there with somebody. Oh, that sucks that that guy died. That yeah, guy man, died. I heard that. I never got to know him, and I kind of wish I did. He was I, such a vibrant character. I can't believe he died. Well, I know him and the kid, him and Darren had a falling out. That's right, the kid. Right, that was what he called it, right? Yeah. yeah. The kid. The bag of shite. Yeah, bag everything. Of, everything was a bag of shite. Got a no talent bag of shite. Uh, you yeah. go up there, they, you tricked him again, Rogan. <laughs> like every time we go, if I had good laughs, he would say, "Oh, you tricked him again, Rogan." <laughs> Comedian said he was funnier than any of the comics too. Oh, he was very funny. He was very, very funny. He was a hilarious guy. I I enjoyed that guy very much. I would go there looking forward to seeing him. I'm bummed that. Uh... I never got to work the old catch either with Louis Ferrando was there. I went in there a couple of times. I might have done one set there, but I never worked there, the catch on 2nd Avenue. That was my first set I ever or did first. in New York. Catch? <clears throat> yeah, I did when I was uh, auditioning for Sussman. I did some sets in Boston, then he had me come out to New York and audition out there. And the first set I ever did in New York, I was fucking terrified out of my mind, was at Catch. I, I got there early. I drove down from Boston, <clears throat> wandered around the neighborhood, shit in my pants, terrified. I just I always had this thing in my head about doing stand up in New York for whatever reason. I just thought that New York was harder, the people were smarter. When I got on stage I realized they were just people. Yeah. You know, but the but up until that moment I was like, They're living in the city. These are people that live in the yeah. city. You know, New York City. It has this air about it, this very intimidating air. Well, because, you know, comedians, they think like, well, New York's the big city. If you work there, you're. S there's this illusion or this d diluted nature. People have the people, the comedians in New York are smarter. Some of them are like, you know, you get a Tell and Colin who are geniuses. And then you, but you have plenty of shitty hack comics. Oh, yeah. Plenty of dumb audiences. Plenty of fucking. I mean, the comedy cellar is my home and it's my favorite place in the world. And you'll still have a bachelorette party. I was on stage. Maybe a few months ago, killing on a Saturday. Like, really, one of those sets that you're just fucking hammering. And right before I get off, these fucking middle aged bachelorettes, one of them goes, Say something funny. It's like, no matter where you are, no matter how good your show is, <laughs> you know, there's always that <laughs> element. Thank God I was killing. I really brutalized her. It was good for you. Oh, I wish I was there. I couldn't. I couldn't have said cunt faster if I had been if I had been programmed to say it at that moment. It flew out so naturally and beautifully. <laughs> which during a bad set is a bad thing because then the crowd totally agrees with mm, the person. Yeah. But in that moment, that you know, is there anything better than calling someone a cunt and fucking the crowd cheers like oh yeah the angry bachelorette party attendants. Do you Ugh. record your sets? I do. Every one I videotape. On a little, uh, on a little uh, GoPro. Oh. You videotape them all. Well, yeah, just to, so, because I'm more creative when I do that. Because I know, like, if I want to improv on something, I will because I'm taping it, so I know mm -hmm. I'll have it. Um, right. I record all, everything audio. I just use my iPhone. I put it on. The, oh, okay. The, I have all, but it is good to see yourself too. Well, it's also easier to go forward. I can zip through it a little bit easier, and uh, you know where stuff is. I know yeah. where stuff is in my iPhone. Like I don't trust that being out. That's got to stay in the pocket because there's just too much shit on there <laughs> that it cannot be lost. <laughs> there's too many in, uh, inexplicable <laughs> photos. But the NSA has your photos. Let them have them. They're not, you know, they're not buying tickets to see me. <laughs> have you care. seen that fucking new revelation that came out today? That Edward Snowden was saying that they were passing the uh, NSA guys were passing back and forth uh, naked photographs. I that heard they got through uh, searches. 
they would also do searches on their ex-girlfriends and, and uh, you know, because they had access. Wow. Yeah. So they'd find compromising photos and they would share them with each other. They would send them, like, send this one to Tom and Tom would send that one to Billy. Look what Bobby found, you know. And these people that they were investigating, I don't know, naked terrorist shots, some chicken a burger with a big hairy beaver. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm I, guessing. I don't, you know, it's funny. My, my views on the NSA is as bad as they <clears> are. We have, that's what we deserve with the nosiest fucking culture. All we do is is mind everybody's business. There's nothing an American loves more than to stick our fucking face in somebody's privacy. And it made me so happy when that shit happened because it was like, good, you motherfuckers. Where were you all these years defending people's right to be assholes in private? We're voyeurs. We <clears throat> love it. And now when it's turned on us, we don't like it. Did you see the newest one about the British spies manipulating polls? Yes, online polls and YouTube hits and videos. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's literally everything that Alex Jones has been saying for years. That everybody's been calling him crazy. He's vindicated. I mean, he's been saying that the, the propaganda machine, they're, really, they, they're, they're using government propaganda and all sorts of hacking tools. It's really a fascinating thing. A collection of hacking tools, some of which are specifically suited for spreading disinformation, were exposed in a leaked 2012 document provided by Snowden to The Intercept. This is an online publication led by Glenn Greenwald, the journalist, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, they, they uh, underpass a tool that lets government change the outcome of online polls. They can change the outcome of online polls. Uh, Bombay, it can increase website hits and rankings. So they can increase website hits, change what, online what polls, amplifications of given... For propaganda. A amplification of a given message, normally video on a popular multimedia website. Uh, gateway, which will artificially increase traffic to a website. Slipstream, which will uh, infiltrate page views on a website. So what they could do is they could put up a website, make that website look super popular, make it look like it's gone viral. There's something that, that, that Alex is not explaining there, if that's where that's from. No, it's not Alex. Okay. It's, and, and it's coming from Snowden. I did, I did a... Um Red Eye the other night. Uh, do you ever have Mike Baker on your podcast? He used to be in the CIA. No. And now he's not. Mike hates Snowden because he was a CIA guy. But he's a really interesting guy. He said something about, just in passing, Mike was talking about these websites and boosting the hits up. And he goes, that people don't understand that we really are still engaged. In a, in a, he goes, I know it's not popular to say that there's a bad guy, but there is. And he goes, then you build these fucking sites and you, you know, because you build them because you want to develop relationships. And that hadn't occurred to me. that certain sites are made to look more popular that the government is running. And then the people that come to them who are actually involved in that type of shit you now see who's coming to these sites and then where they're going and you develop relationships with these people and you get to know them that way. And it, it's not always just about propaganda and selling. A lot of it is stuff that we'll never find out about. But he, he would explain it much better just in that little moment. It made me see something that I hadn't considered. Like, I'm sure they're doing dirty shit with it too, like those photos. And, and again, I know the government's propaganda driven, but there's also legit uses for it. That I think might have been compromised. There's definitely legit uses for it, but what Snowden's point was whether you're having these 18 to 22 year old kids and you're giving them this massive amount of responsibility. Right. And that it's just not cool. And there's very little oversight. He's like, it's very little oversight in these offices. Yeah, I mean, what was Baker's, uh, what was his argument against Snowden? What Snowden did. I've only seen this is he's on Red Eye a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, he hates him because I, I so I only saw a little piece of it on the episode we did together. But Mike's a really logical. You'd love him. Like he's a great talker. He's funny. He's like he's not some, you know, he's not some uh, 
propaganda spewing asshole. He's got mm-hmm. his talking points, but he's a really smart dude. I think you'd love to have him. I would love to have him. I would love to hear what the argument against Snowden is, because in my opinion, what he was doing was something. What what he released was information that let the American people know that the government was doing something that's unconstitutional, and they were doing it, and they were doing it like they had the right to do it, and they're going to continue to have the right to do it. They're going to continue, and if they catch him, they're going to lock him in jail for exposing. In a way, everything that Obama said when he was running for office, he said that they were going to have greater protection of whistleblowers, anybody that was showing that they were doing something, that that someone was doing something that was illegal, he was going to protect them. Meanwhile, they had to to delete that off of his website because they kept it up until like a year and a half ago. And then finally, you know, people started pointing it out when all the Snowden shit was going down, the Hope and Change website, and they finally redacted it all, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird because again I agree with you. I think that uh, what he did in a, to a certain degree is really good. Like I don't want the government having that ability. My point of view on it is I'm so disgusted with the public and I'm so disgusted with what voyeurs we are and how we refuse to acknowledge that and how we sit there and judge people like Donald Sterling. I like the guy's a twat, obviously, but the way everyone sits there and fucking self righteously judges this guy, and I lo- I love the fact that he's a fucking miserable parrot-voiced 81-year-old who now wants to fucking hire private investigators to go after every NBA owner and un- uncover shit. It's like they none of them stood tall and said, look, this guy's a piece of garbage, but you know what? I've said a lot of ugly things in my private life, too. <clears throat> and what he said was minor. Compared to, in yeah. the privacy of his own home, there was no racial slurs. What he said is, don't bring these black guys around, don't take pictures with them. While he's trying to fuck this chick, by the way. Yeah. He's just trying to get past all this and fuck her. He's like, I mean, that is what he said when he was talking about it. He goes, look, I was trying to get laid. I was telling him, look, don't bring these guys around. He even said to her, if you want to fuck him, fuck him. Is he my favorite person? No. Is right. he a racist? Probably. Is he a piece of shit? By all accounts. Sure. But so what? How do you fine a guy $2.5 million for telling his girlfriend not to bring black guys around to games? That's crazy. Right. It's his girlfriend. He's not saying you don't associate with those people because they are below human. He's not saying anything crazy and racist. He's like, look, you're bringing guys around that are definitely going to fuck you and it makes me look bad. Yeah. That's all he's saying. That's all he's saying. And even if he was being a creepy racist, even if he was, the fact that it was in private, and they they got the I think in California there's only two states one party uh, notification states I'm thinking they're New York Nevada and Vegas Nevada is one yeah and, and or in Nevada and and I think that uh, the fact that it was illegally obtained information yeah and again I I think the guy Abdul Jabbar wrote a fucking genius article on uh, why this guy should have been gone after before for a lot of the housing discrimination stuff, but not for this. And no one gave a fuck when it was that, but now that it's language, they're going after him. Yeah, and then they're using the housing discrimination stuff to justify they're going after him about this. Like, no, look, the housing discrimination stuff is fucked. You're right. If you want to find him for that, then it should be some sort of an other organization, not the NBA. NBA just reacted. Again, they panicked. They reacted quickly. And not one of these owners has a clean fucking backyard. None of maybe they haven't said racist stuff, but a lot of them have probably fucked around on their wives. A lot of them have probably said sexist stuff. So I love the fact that Sterling's going to hire a, uh, a. But but this is like how dirty it gets when people aren't honest about mm-hmm. our own ugliness. Yeah. Like, and that's why when a guy like Snowden does what he does, it's like ah, I, the NS, the NSA, yeah, they're shitty. But fuck the public because the public didn't stand up in, 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 in the fucking defense of privacy when it was Donald Sterling. We only care about it when it's ourselves. And if we were a public that would never have tolerated that from the government, 
They wouldn't do it. Like, you know, or they would, they would do it and be terrified to do it, knowing that we were going to revolt. But they know that we'll just take it because we're nosy cunts and we don't really bother. We like, we like invading people's privacy and Tiger Woods' text messages. Ooh, we can't get enough of Mel Gibson's voicemails. We're fucking scumbags just sitting home wringing our hands. Have Fuck you ever them. heard what sociologists say about that when it comes to gossip and things along those lines? They believe that we, we no longer have communities like we used to have when we were tribal organizations when we're groups of 50 to 150, 200 people, small groups, and then we used to know each other's business because we had to be aware. We had to know who was a good guy, who was a bad guy. We had to talk and exchange. And we also had to figure out what other people liked and tolerated, what was accepted in our community. And now we don't really have these sort of relationships with our neighbors anymore. And so celebrity gossip, gossip that's in the news, whenever someone is doing something, it becomes extra juicy to us because we don't we don't have this normal communication amongst the people that you know we we have in you know our local community that yeah that is true i mean who do you know in your building um almost no it's funny as we speak obama's in my building in new york (gasps) doing a fundraiser he doesn't live there building he's in my my apartment building can you get in there while he's there or is it some fucking pain in the dick i probably could i mean it's he might be gone already he was some Democratic fundraiser, but I don't know. Who, I don't know. Who, the point is, I don't know the neighbor he's seeing. He's probably seeing some one of the neighbors for a fundraiser, and I have no idea who it is. How annoying! I would love to be there, though. It's be kind of fun just to be in the elevator with him. I don't him think and was... Michio Kaku together. Oh, Michio Kaku, fucking! Who I saw the other day, by the way, walking into the building, and I'm like, hi. Ah. He literally, if, <laughs> if a fucking rabbit ran by, he would have recognized it more than me, who he sat as close as we are and talked. He's a genius, but he's a fucking weird dude. He's a very weird oh, dude. Oh, hi, hi. He's always frightened. You know, we always make fun of him because he refuses to, like, you just can't say hello. Hi, Dr. Kaku. Hi. Oh. He's just so, t- it's like, how many times have you been assaulted that you're so timid when people say hello to you? <laughs> he gets shit on by other scientists, you know. Well, he oversimplifies it. Like, I yeah. like, uh, I like uh, Brian Green is the guy's name. Mm, yeah. And I also like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil's great. Because they, they simplify it because we are dumbbells in comparison to them. But they don't talk to us like we're complete blither. Like, you know, Dr. Kaku breaks it down like, you know, and if you look at it like everyone is a lemon drop. It's like, all right, I, 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 I don't have a fucking PhD. <laughs> you know, but I understand that, you know, cells exist. You can, we can find somewhere in the middle to, you know. Yeah, I don't know why. Doesn't Dr. Steve get upset at him? Oh, yeah. Dr. Steve is my favorite. I love him. He's the fucking best. Because, um, you know, he took physics. I mean, he's another brilliant guy. Brilliant. And uh, he, hey, yeah, I just don't like him. Uh, you know, he just can't. <laughs> That's his voice. Yeah, he's, he's just a fucking idiot. You know? <laughs> he just, uh, he knows he's smart, but he doesn't like the way Doctor Steve will. I mean, Doctor Doctor Kaku will kind of. I guess I guess they look at him like we were looking at a comedian doing girl fart jokes right. on TV. He's a hack. Like, oh no, look at he's got the puppet. The puppet saying naughty things. Ah. Oh boy, he's great. <laughs> Is there anything worse than when people will come up to you and go like, oh, and I love this comedian, and you're like, I want to just bite your fucking it's the nose worst. off. You were so funny, but you know who my favorite. Is, and you go, oh, you just ruined everything. Or my favorite joke of yours, and they'll like name a joke that you're like, oh, Christ, that was the fucking joke I should be had my throat slit for. <laughs> <laughs> that was from 1996. Yeah. I can't believe anyone remembers it. I'm sad. Yeah, I used to do a joke about getting a Woody, and I called it a Woody. <laughs> you ever remember your old stuff and oh, just and you die a little death I Remember inside? it. It's online. You can watch it. There's a video of me from Caroline's. Not Caroline's, uh, Rascals. Oh, wow. Was it, was it the TV wearing, show? Yeah, wearing terrible clothes, <laughs> telling terrible jokes. Oof. A wallpaper shirt. Yeah. I've got a, a recording somewhere of like my third or fourth time ever on stage. 
I have like a whole stack of shit that I saved, and one of them is like the third or fourth time I was ever on stage. It's a cassette recording. It's just hot. It's good stuff. Hot death. It's great you have it though. I guess I've looked at it in fear for fucking twenty years. <laughs> it's it's oddly humiliating, and exposing when you see that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder if uh, other performers look at their old shit. Like we did a thing on O and A where we I'm sure you've, you maybe heard some of it where we brought in our old tapes and got killed for it. And I, this is back on NEW. And I brought in a tape of me from nineteen ninety three, where I had like twenty minutes of material and I was a fucking. Please love me, happy-go-lucky, high-energy fraud. How we doing? <laughs> like it's the type of it's 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 humiliating in a weird level. I had like purple pants, and I I, I, I <laughs> used like to uh, yeah exactly. They were fucking uh, they were like you know, those uh, workout pants from the from the uh, the eighties, like those uh, whatever they were with the Velcro front. And I would bring an enema in a bag on stage and talk about because enemas were addicting. And I would it, it was. It's, you wouldn't even be friendly. Colin Quinn told me, like, he's like, it's hard for me to look at you, like, listening to this. I can't acknowledge. <laughs> and this was in, we did this in, 19, in 2000, so it was 17 years after I had done it. Wow. But I, the guys that came in to, to talk about my tape were Colin, Patrice, and Voss were the guys that dissected my tape. And it was one of the most savage <laughs> assaults of all time. <laughs> And we did Voss's tape too, when he had the fucking bad teeth and the greasy long locks. Voss looked like a rat. When he was, did you ever see Voss? <laughs> yes, his I old headshot. Oh, that's right. I that's knew right. Voss yeah. back then. He was. I was a fast talker. Fucking, please love me. Ugh. Oh, hunched over like I used to smoke a lot of pot. Like oh, I met Voss. I think in ninety or ninety one. We were all terrible then, though. I mean, that's just the one thing that I, I always stress to every comedian. No one starts out good. They just don't. You know, they just don't. Everyone sucks at first. And especially when you're young. Because you don't have shit to say. Yeah. When I was 21, what, who the fuck am I to be talking? You know, I don't have anything to say. The only thing that I had to say about anything that was funny at all was sex. Yeah. Because it's the only thing I knew. I mean, everything I knew. Besides that, I mean, what did I know about politics? What did I know about the way the world worked? What did I know about anything? I had right. no opinions about anything. Yeah, but it's, it wasn't even the bad jokes I had. It wasn't even the poorly written jokes, which they were. It was the fucking behavior, the wacky character, like the lack of connection to who I am as a person that just it, it makes you want to fucking... It, 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 I want to smash my face when I watch that. Like, how did you allow yourself to do this? Like, not and just not be. There's Voss. Oh my that looks god! So crazy with his perm. Look at his gold chains. <laughs> he looks like fucking Joni from Happy Days when she was in her early thirties. Look at that fucking creepy perm. Oh, what an awful person. There's a funny connection that we all have to each other. We've all gone through the early days of comedy. You know, there's there's something that it's always going to be a weird bond that we all have with each other. And we all knew each other back in those days. I know? remember the first time I met you. I remember where we worked. I remember you. Is my first memory of Rogan was we were working in the upper deck. Look I think I've told teeth, you. Look this. at Foss's teeth. Look at that. They were terrible. <laughs> oh, they were terrible. He's gapping them. That's creepy. That's the Voss I met. But th- that can, by the way, to like that Voss, the guy you're looking at, that ugly, awful Voss, was a pussy machine. Really, <laughs> a machine, and he would get girls. 
like just to suck his dick in front of me, or he would try to get them to suck my dick. Voss was the fucking team player of all time. Like he's gotten more assists than almost anybody in the business. He would get girls to just come in the closet and look at my dick. <laughs> he was a great friend. Closet look at his dick. Yeah, he's a good. He was a great guy. He gets man. shit on a lot, but he's, oh, he's the best. Dude. Voss is the fucking one of the best guys I've ever known. So where did we meet? Uh, Upper Deck. It was a Pat Garini gig, I think. Upper Deck. Where's that? In uh, Lake Apacon, New Jersey. Wow. And you were on stage doing a bit about Tyson and Robin Givens, and you said something about. Imagine you walk out and it's Mike Tyson. I'd I like to talk to you for a second, please. And I just remember that line from your act. I don't remember you had a lot wow. of energy and you were you you were very like a powerful performer, but I remember that line for some reason from your act. Wow, I don't even remember that line. It's probably 92, 93. Wow, back in the day. It's a fascinating thing to go through, isn't it? You I, know, yes, I'm no, again. Damn. Really? Dude, I'm, I'm the I've been holding it. I'm the this way I have to fly aisle. Do you I have a, a bladder? Yeah, I do, and I thought I, you know, by the way, Patrice, <laughs> Patrice told me, <laughs> fucking, uh, he, he says to me, he goes, you know, you, you have to check, be checked for diabetes, because I flew to LA for the first time with Patrice, and the TWA was a 747, and there's those two seats, and I took the window and let that fucking behemoth have the aisle seat, <laughs> and I had to keep crawling over him, and Patrice, who was diabetic, said, uh, you know, you got to get checked for diabetes, man, you piss so much, and he fucking freaked me out, and I don't have it. I set the piss. But Do my, you drink a lot of water? A lot of water, a lot of caffeine. Uh, I drank a Diet Coke before, and the caffeine does something to my fucking bladder. Kills yeah, it does. Mike Goldberg drinks a lot of those Red Bulls, and when we work together, that guy gets up and pisses like six, seven times during a broadcast. I've wondered how you guys do that, by the way. How do you not just jump up and piss every two minutes? But I guess I never noticed that he did. I can just hold it. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's that dick muscle, boo. I got a great dick muscle, son. <laughs> yeah. I worked that shit out. Oh. Um, I don't know what it is. I can just, I, like, I do three-hour podcasts. It's very rare that I have to pee during a three-hour podcast, unless I drank a lot of stuff before the show, you know? But if you drink any of those Red Bulls or those Monster Energy drinks, those will do me. If yeah. I drink one of those, go ahead, go. go, uh, go, go, the, go. The, this coffee, by the way, is delicious. It's awesome, right? And it, right to the bathroom. It's That's very, Caveman Coffee. It's fucking great. Caveman Coffee Company. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, man, but those monster energy drinks, whatever it is in those, taurine or whatever the fuck the caffeinated aspect of them. I've always had good, good, like a good bladder, I guess. Like I've never, I don't have to pee that much. Like I could drink this whole thing, this Trenta iced coffee, and I'm now, I drink a cocoa cafe after it and I still haven't peed all day. You know, Those cocoa cafes are goddamn delicious. They're great, aren't they? If yeah. No one's ever had those before. What they are is it's, uh, and they don't pay us. I just want to let you know. They're just, they're just, they're just yummy. Tastes like a Yoohoo. Yeah. It's coconut water and uh, espresso mixed together. And they have different flavors now. Oh, and good googly moogly. It's delicious. Hey, can I pump up uh, next week? Uh, yeah. Comic Con. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're bringing uh, Comic Con down to Comic uh, at the American Comedy Company. It's, yeah, what day is that? It's uh, July 23rd and July 24th. Uh, we have uh, Kill Tony, we have Thunder Pussy, and we also have a comedy show on the 24th with Burt Kreischer. And Excellent. It's really fun. Excellent. And uh, I am uh, on the 25th. I'm going to be at the San Jose Center for the Performing Arts with Tony Hinchcliffe. Uh, this week I'm at um, Wise Guys in Salt Lake City, but it's all sold out, oh, bitches. I'm going to go there. Sorry. Suck it. I heard that place is cool. Yeah, I heard it's cool too. Joey keeps saying it's awesome. Um, everybody that I know that's been there, and you, you worked at Salt Lake City, right? I have, there? yes. Very good room. Um, the uh, Wise Guys. Yeah, I feel sorry for those people living in Salt Lake City, surrounded by all those Mormons, but it's beautiful there, and Mormons are nice. If you're going to be around religious nutters, those are the people. Yeah, they're not mean people at all. Bella Donna's a Mormon. She was. I mean, Bella yes, Donna's she was. Was. Yeah. I mean, not she, maybe, she was getting it. 
No, she probably. She. I think they probably frowned on that career decision. You think? Yeah, I don't know why though. Did she, she retire? Yes. Yeah, she did. Do you, you say it like it was sadness? Like it was like a fucking like Babe Ruth retired. You're you know, like, yes. I just haven't seen her in a while. She did. It, it, it is. A, yeah, she made that. She made it really. I, I was luckiest girl on the face of the earth. <laughs> the old Gary Cooper fucking yeah. speech. <laughs> <laughs> little little Gary for you. I just wonder if she can hold in turds still. That's my only question. I want to know because you know she was getting baseball bats up her pussy. Yeah, she no up her ass. Uh, yeah, she or, had yeah, a baseball ass. bat in her ass. Yeah, did she really? Yes. Ah, yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's a. Vi- <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> There's a video of it, and it's just so weird to watch. It's like, okay, there you go. Hey, women have babies, though, and they don't piss all over the place. Like, I guess you can still... Yeah, but that's an asshole. Her baseball bat went in her asshole. Right. Why well, does he say holding turds? I'm like, I guess those muscles, re- you know... I guess, rip. but people do have problems. People that, like, engage in those activities... Really? ...do uh, have problems stretching out their, their anus muscles. Oh, my f- I-, I can take a, a little bit of a finger... <laughs> And I can't take anything else. I was uh, dating this chick, and uh, her roommate had sex with uh, her boyfriend, and he fucked her in the ass, and uh, her sphincter must have relaxed, and she shit on him while they were sleeping. And uh, she shit the bed. Oh, (laughs) wow. She shit on his dick a little bit. I don't know. And anyway, he got up, and, you know, he was like, ah! And the door slammed, and the guy was, like, standing in the hallway like this. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget this poor fuck. His po- and, you know, the girl dating telling me what happened. I'm like, oh, no. I got shit in my mouth this year. I told you that. That's, yeah. that's horrible. I never. Well, you what left. happened? <laughs> I was eating a girl's ass out who was on ecstasy for her first time, and then oh. she shit in my mouth because she couldn't feel it. Yeah, I can see that happening. You don't want an accidental one because that's not going to be a good one. No. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't solid either. I think I would have preferred a solid. Yeah, a solid one. There's something about a solid one. You're like, hey, this kind of looks like a fucking, you know, a, 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 a smokestack. And there's something cool about it. But, this yeah. is not a subject I'm really into, <laughs> but there is a woman, this German woman who does shit porn where people mm. shit on her and she's like the queen of shit porn. Don't ask me how I know this. Somebody posted it on my message board, and I followed a fucking all, a right. link hole. I went from link to link to link till I got to her site and watched some of her videos. What's her site? Goodegg.com? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> winner. Winner, winner, shit dinner. And it's just people shitting in her mouth, and she's covered in shit, and it's she, she eats it. Yeah, I mean, it's making me swallow. Like, sure, hungry. Yeah. No, 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 no. Throwing up. Oh. It's making me uh, extra salivate thinking about how disgusting it was. But she was just eating logs that were coming out of this guy's ass. Yeah, guys ass. Guy shit. It's got to be awful. She says it's better. She says it's spicier because men eat more meat. And she was like explaining. Yeah, I don't want to. Who wants a spicy log? <laughs> She's sitting there smoking cigarettes, explaining in <sighs> German why she loves eating shit, and <sighs> that she. She's got a like a stomach of a billy goat. She never gets sick, and she fills herself up with shit. And that's great, but, you know. But this is like the thing is, there's so many types of people out there in this world. There's there's no normal. There's like expectations of normality. There's like a spectrum, and they fall. Most people fall into like this area, but there's enough people out there that like watching her eat shit. That yeah. she makes a living eating shit. She has a website eating shit. She's a member section. She's famous for it. They're interviewing her, asking her questions. They're using a camera. I mean, it's like the whole deal. It's like she's 
you know, there's a, there's a, a not it's not one person that likes watching her eat shit. It's a whole group. Well, the funny thing is too that like when you think like the fact that she smokes on top of it, like <laughs> if, if there's anything that can make your breath worse than fucking eating some fucking some Nazis oh. logs, fucking having a cigarette afterwards. Can you imagine her uh, burps? Uh, oh. <laughs> the shit cigarette shit burps. Yeah, craft service is all fucking Ugh. coffee and tuna salad, just really awful oh, stuff. Oh God, you I'm can see her sneezes. Up. Oof, I'm, I am almost throwing up thinking about this. She yeah, it's a little gross. see her sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a brown, brown sneeze. spray. It's a little awful. A spray. You could, her if sneeze you had has like, fiber. If you had like a cheesecloth in front of her, you could see, you know, she could make a raw shard painting <laughs> for you. Oh, God. Yeah, shit, shit, there's probably not but good coming remember out. Remember when we were kids, it was really hard to find anything even remotely fucked up? Like, did you, when you were a kid, did you see, we're about, I'm 46, 45? I'll be 46 in two days. I'll be 47 wow. in August. Did you, um, did you see Barnyard Betty and any of those things? Uh, Remember the, those? Yeah, the animal fucking stuff. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It was a video, and a buddy had it, and we went over to his house and watched it, and, like, one of us had to watch the door, because it, it was in the basement, we were hovering over the V, like, one person had to watch the door to let us know if anybody was coming. And then we were standing in front of this VCR, this TV with a VCR attached to it, watching this really grainy video of this chick, like, you know, very mild sure. bestiality, very mild, like blowing a donkey, not aggressively, not really that into it. You know, she was having sex with a pig in some weird way and a German shepherd. And it was kind of fucked, but it was so mild in comparison to what kids see today. You ever wonder what kind of an impact that's having on them? It's got to be freaking you out. If, if you're, if you're like, when I, I saw some hardcore porn pictures, the dirty movie, but if you're seeing a beheading video or, or legitimate car crash stuff or, or, where, where hardcore fucking is just the normalist thing you're going to mm. see online. Like, yeah, it's got to jade. I think that's why maybe school shooting. It's, I'm not blaming video game, but when people be, do become a certain desensitized to things. Um, I probably sound like I'm criticizing every message I've ever given, but I do think that that has something to do with desensitizing you. It must have something to do with it. You can't say that that's the cause right. for someone doing something abhorrent, someone doing something horrible and violent, but you see so much violence and it becomes an option. Right. You know, if you didn't know what a gun was, you didn't know what you know a school shooting was, if it didn't exist, it wasn't on the table, it wouldn't be something that people considered. You know, but because the fact we have guns, we know about guns, because of the fact that we know about school shootings, people think, you know what, my fucking life is terrible. I'm I'm all fucked up on antidepressants. I'm gonna go shoot up my school. You know, it is it, it, it all those things do factor into the possibility of someone doing something, but you can't blame those things. It's like I've said that I think that we have a gun problem, a mental health problem, rather, disguised as a gun problem. Yeah. And that's what I think it is, more than anything. Because you can give a lot of people guns, and they would never do anything wrong. Right, but then you give, you know, one fucking, one, one, like, who was the kid, Alonzo, Alonzo, Adam Alonzo? Yeah. His, uh, Lanza, whatever the fuck his name was, his mother had the gun around the house. You know, it's like, even if you're not the crazy person, mm -hmm. even if your kid is the fucking wide-eyed yeah. You know, me, 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 shitbag that he was. Mm -hmm. The fucking, pu I hate the pupil in the middle of the eye with white all around it. And I know some people get mad at me. That's a real condition. Shut up. I'm so sick of people getting upset. <laughs> they shouldn't generalize. He had a weird pupil. Oh yeah, no, but I'm saying a lot of these. Look Adderall at eyes. What Adder Adderall eyes. Adderall eyes. That's how I know somebody's on Adderall is when you look at you can see the white around their eyeball. 
you know, that's because they're just like this. Yeah. Like you oh, could, I see what you're saying. It's always some wacko. You can see that fucking. Jacked. Like Garfield. <laughs> you know, I'm sure plenty of people don't have that, aren't mentally ill who have that, but the, the nuts I've seen all have that. Well, why, being wide-eyed, being accelerated, being on amphetamines, or, you know, when, you, when you're putting kids on Ritalin, you're putting kids on Adderall and all these different, those are stimulants. You know, one of the things that they use to treat ADHD and ADD, those are stimulants. You know, you're, you're, you're jacking kids up on all kinds of crazy shit. And that's just, that's just those things. What about the things that they put them on that are antidepressants and all these things that don't have a long history of, you're radically altering human neurochemistry, radically altering it on a daily basis with really hardcore chemicals. That's the one thing that nobody likes to talk about when it comes to these school shootings. You know, the causation, you know, not meet, correlation of causation or whatever the fuck that term is, that, that you can't necessarily connect them. You, you can necessarily connect them. You, can, you can't say it's the 100% of the cause, but when 90% of all the people that are school shooters are on antidepressants or are coming off of antidepressants, suffering with withdrawal of antidepressants, right. at what point in time do they start looking at these chemicals that radically alter the way people react to stress, the way people react to life itself, the way people react to negative influences. Like, I, I had a friend that was on Zoloft, and she said that when she was on it, she didn't care about anything. Like, she was going to write a book called I Lost a Year of My Life about being on Zoloft, because for a year, nothing bothered her, nothing bothered her. And you would think that someone who's a fucking psycho, right. that you put them on that shit, it's also not going to bother them to kill people. I mean, it just totally makes sense. Right. Yeah, I, they went to put me on Ridley when I was a kid. Ooh. But uh, my parents, I think, said no. Thank God. They, they like me being creative. Yeah, isn't that funny, man? Do you, having a lot of extra energy and anxiety, that people can misinterpret that as like, oh, we got to medicate this kid to make him quote-unquote normal. Yeah, I was a weirdo. I mean, I, you know, I was a little fucking weirdo. Yeah, I mean, but that's how you make a comedian. It is true, yes. Nobody nobody brings that up, you know? No no one ever brings that up in school. Like, you know, Jimmy, the way you look... like I, I, there's a, 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 a gal who works at this office that I go to that's very funny. She's always saying really funny shit. So I asked her today, I go, I go, how come you're not a comedian? Have you ever thought about being a comedian? And she goes, no. I go, you're, you're a comedian. You've just never done it. Like, you've, you've got all the traits. Right. You know, you're always, you're quick with wit. You're always trying to make people <laughs> laugh. You're always, like, she says creative shit. She's very funny. I'm like, why don't you, why don't you become a comedian? you ever thought about it? She's like, no. I was like, well... Think about it. How old is she? 28. Oh, okay. Not too late. I go, no. just, if you were 38, I'd tell you to give it up. Yeah. But 28? You can still Send do her it. to kill Tony. I'll put her up. I don't think she's ready. <laughs> you know, I mean, you plant seeds like that in someone's head, and who knows what they're going to take. But there's a lot of people out there that that is what they could do, and they probably have a skill. They probably have a talent, rather, and they've just never been uh, encouraged. Nobody encourages you to do that. Yeah. Has any guidance counselor ever said to a kid, you should be a stand-up comic? Right. You like doing drugs. Look, you never show up on time. You're, you don't do your homework. You're funny. Go be a comic. Yeah, they never encourage you to get into... St you're right. You know, if you're music, they encourage you to take music class. Uh, well, they probably consider that part of the arts, the drama. Well, yeah. take a class and see if you're... Stand-up comedy is one of the least respected art forms that's most loved. Yeah. As far as, like, the, the process of becoming a stand-up comedian, the option of becoming a stand-up comedian is so often... Like, my own parents... My parents didn't have a hard time with me kickboxing, but they, they didn't want me to do comedy. <laughs> they were like, you're doing comedy? Like, you're not funny. This is going to be terrible. 
Yeah, there's something intangible about comedy that just scares people. Well, they feel like you're going to be a loser. You're going to be a fail. loser. You're not because no one wants to be the one who bombs, and just to see someone you love up there making an ass out of themselves, yeah. and not being funny. Like, uh, how awful is it to, for a girl to go out with a guy she's dating who consistently sucks on stage? Ooh. That's got to be. That's just got to make her not want to fuck him. It's oh, for just sure. Awful. Well, I've brought dates to shows and I bombed. And yes. They feel it. They just didn't want to have nothing to do with me. <laughs> you just feel it. And back, you know, back in the day when when I first started, I could have bombed. I I would have a good set. You know, maybe three, two, three sets in a row, and then every fourth or fifth set, easily could go into the toilet. Easily. So you take a girl with you to a show, boy, that was taking a risk. I never do it. I mean, now I'll do it. <clears throat> come see me at the cellar, but I'm working on stuff or whatever on the nights that I'm there. I hate bringing people to shows. Especially when you're working on stuff. Because when you're working on stuff, you're not trying to do the best show as much as you're trying to get material and like form it and get it together. And you'll sacrifice a few minutes. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, w I, did, I worked on a new bit last night and I, just, I knew, I'm like, while I'm doing this, I'm like, this is virgin territory. Right. It's a completely new bit. I don't know where it's going. And if someone was there to see you, who knows how you're going to pull out of that? You might not pull out well. Yeah. So I, I warn them, though. <clears throat> I'm like, it's going to be, and by the way, I'm clearing my throat because of the, the butter. It's fuck, I love it, but <clears throat> it makes me fucking sound like fucking Ian Watkins on the stand. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably not the best thing to serve people on a no. show where they talk for three hours. No, yeah. it's, you know, here, have some cottage cheese, gargle with this, and then talk for three hours. <laughs> fuck it. Okay, oh, can I, before, I'm going to forget, can I plug my show yeah, real quick? Yeah, yeah, I keep, yeah, dude, yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. bad at the, Please. the plugs. I can't do it naturally, so I have to just stop the flow stop of everything. Stop the flow, and don't go, worry about it. Plug whore. People want to hear it. I'm doing a talk show on Vice, ah, um, which is why I'm out in Los Angeles right now. I hear. And uh, it comes out next Wednesday, the 23rd. Um, you know, it's a talk show that I host. And what is it? It's just me doing a monologue and uh, a little sketch and then interviewing guests. And my first guests were actually Dana and Mike Tyson together. Wow. They, uh, what a fucking favor Dana did me, man. That's and, and awesome. Tyson. Yeah, they were great. They were really great. And did you do it in front of an audience? Yeah, live audience. Where? Um, in New York. Wow. We did four pilot episodes, and uh, it was it was a very odd thing because I wanted the crowd on top of me. Like the audience is like from where you are to me, on top. Like I wanted it like comedian style. So uh, the camera angles where they had to, it was hard for us to edit anything because it was supposed to be a thirty minute show, but I wound up talking to these guys. It went like an hour and twenty, so we had to chop down to an hour. They let me make it an hour pilot episode. Is it, it for so Vice.com or is it Vice.com? So it's all going to be online. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And it comes out uh, the 23rd, and then there's going to be one a week for four weeks, and hopefully people like the different shows. And, you know, the monologues, I'm allowed to kind of say what I want to say. They, they didn't creatively fuck with me at all. Like, That's were, awesome, man. They were, they were great. I mean, everywhere you go, they're telling you don't say this, and, you know, it's very frustrating for a comedian. Well, Shane Smith is one of my favorite people ever. Yeah, he's I, an animal. He I just, love him. He's an absolute fucking animal. Yeah, he, he sent me a, a fucking, we were going back and forth. He was texting me trying to get me to go to Africa with him. I was like, bitch, are you out of your fucking mind? He wants me to go to some new island, that some island rather, that they have where they've taken all these monkeys and apes that they experimented with and shot up with diseases and AIDS and all this stuff. And they've dropped them off when they're done with their experiment and they, they bring them to some island. So there's an island, like a Planet of the Apes island, that's filled with all these monkeys and apes that have gone through all these medical experiments. And he wanted me to go there with him. I'm like, bitch, that is the last place I'm going, man. If you want me to go to the Bahamas and, yeah. and, and drink Mai Tais with Anthony Bourdain, I'm in. 
I'm not. I'm not going to an AIDS-infected monkey island. Yeah, how about Shane invites you somewhere fun? <laughs> you like, you want to go out and get blown? All right. He doesn't want to go anywhere. No, fun. he wants Everywhere to go to scary go, places. Like, let's go to the Ukraine. Fuck you. Let's go to North Korea. Not happening, dude. He's the one that interviewed uh, a fucking general butt naked and all. Those. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing there? Like, yeah. send another guy. No, no there. He's, he's gangster as fuck. He, he gets dirty. Yeah, he really does. And it's like, I don't think there's anybody on top of a company of that size that is going to those places. I'm hoping he, he stops doing that. He's not going to stop doing it. He's in the. He was somewhere crazy the other day. He was like in the Ukraine or something. He doesn't give a fuck. He, I go, know. he goes to all those places, and it's a part of his life. And he comes back with a fucking burden, bro. He's come straight from the airport right here and started drinking. And we've done podcasts together, and it's you could feel the burden on him. You know, like, yeah, what is that? Uh, this is Jim's. Uh, oh, show play, this. Oh, play this. Oh, uh, like, play this. I, I don't like the promos. I don't like promos. Hey, uh, I like them. Hi, I'm Jim Norton. Be sure to watch my brand new show on Vice. <laughs> 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 Reviews have been mixed. <laughs> How could you not like that? Oh, you like it? Okay, that was beautiful. You know, thank you. I, that was a legit laugh. I, 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 uh, I, I, I Colin, the best expression Colin ever did was shame spiral. I can't watch myself ever. I can't watch myself. I, I get fucking humiliated. Well, that's one myself. of the reasons why you're really good. You know, it's hard. I don't like watching myself either. It's, uh, I, uh, you know, it's uh, whenever I sit down on a radio show, like they used to do it on K Rock. Every time I would do it, I would sit down, they would play this whole thing of a bunch of clips of my stand up and then out of context, just punchlines. I'm like, stop, don't oh. do it. You're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> stop it. Don't do it. Don't play it. You just made me feel a lot better, though. Thank you. Because that was all day I was panicking about that promo hilarious. going up. I'm like, nobody's going to laugh at no. it. <laughs> I did a promo. Confused have been mixed. <laughs> <laughs> I did another promo with fucking with with, with Tyson and then and of course Dana's in it mm-hmm. and I'm like that one I felt more secure with because this was just me I'm like no one will like it like it's, it's great thank you Joe that made me feel a lot is better. that girl naked in the background it's hard to say because the TV's kind no of, she has a bra on our con- connection is we have to fix that make it was a, HD it's like a to the TV skin color bra though it's kind of hard oh, to see it looks like she's naked it's fu- whatever it is well thank it's you fucking man. hilarious that made me feel a lot better <laughs> reviews have been mixed I was really <laughs> genuinely panicking look I'm a child I'm a fan of people throwing up. I hosted Fear Factor for six years. Throwing up to me is always funny. It is, right? It is kind of... For me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just the ridiculousness of it all. You sitting on the edge of the bed, her throwing up in a bucket. I'm in. They, and, they, <laughs> and I'll say this. they Eddie Moretti, and those, he's like, nah, I think that's the best one we should lead with. And I was against it. I was like, no, I don't think so. And it's like sometimes people just... I, I have to remember that there are people that see things from the outside that are that are no shit that I don't know. Right. And have a better eye than I do. And it's like, you know how you're married to your stuff, man, when you're performing or whatever. And it's like, there's people that can just see things and like uh, detach from the emotion of it and go and clearly like, no, no, this is the way to start. Like I was wrong about that and he was right. And it's like, it's, it's really hard for me to think in those terms that I don't know what the fuck I'm always talking about. It's hard too when you're going over your material, when you're editing like a special, you lose the idea of what's yeah. funny and what's not funny. You see the bits too many times and yeah. they, get, they get really blurry sometimes. It gets real confusing. And you get offended. I'm a very bad collaborator. Like we had to edit the the, the interview with with Dana and Mike, and I loved all of it because it was honest and funny and free flowing. And you know, Tyson was hilarious, and Dana was fucking great. And it was like we had to chop it just because I went forty minutes. Because I went forty minutes. So over. what? It's the internet. 
but the way they're they're letting me do it, it was they've already doubled how long they're letting me do it. I'm okay with that. And a lot and some of it was just literally we were throwing to we had to do a couple of throws because the way Vice releases a video is they'll have more than one part to it. Right. They, they're just yeah. masters at that shit. Yeah, they are. So I forgot to do that. I during the interview I I didn't do that. So we had to go. All right, we just got to get a couple of pickups which we needed. So we had to go like, all right, we'll be right back. Watch this. So we had to tape them at the end. Right. And then we're doing that and we're talking about something. But what we're talking about, um, I had to take this pick up and put it in the middle. Just a couple of minor things. But I got so fucking territorial about stuff, you don't want to cut any of it. But they well, were actually great. They didn't bust my balls about any of the content at all. I don't understand wanting to edit things that are on the internet. Unless it's some insane length. This was just the, the the cuts we made. There was very little in the content area. It was only because I didn't know how they did videos. Like I didn't realize that we'd have to do it in more than one part. And they probably had told me that. And I just forgot in that moment because it was my first episode. So I should have said like what I should have done was to keep in pace with the way they do it. Because every series they do is really I've watched a million of them. They're all releasing a few parts. Right. So if I'm going long, I should have said all right, it's about X amount of time. We'll be right back or go to the next whatever the fuck I should have said and then done it that way. But I just didn't know to do that. So you know what I think? I think that's the wrong way to do it. I think the way you did it is the right way. Do it organically. Have a conversation and then. Have all the throws in post. What do you have to fucking be there when you do it? Just say, you know, have in the middle of the conversation, the, the conversation pauses, say, we'll be back with episode two next week. Yeah, we could do that. Why not? Why would you want to make someone have some non-organic throw in the middle of a conversation? Like, that's goofy. That may that just chops up the flow of the conversation and the thought process. That may have been my mistake then. You know what I mean? Like, they, they know how to... The thing that they do is they release video. They know what gets the views, the part ones, the part twos. Like they tried right. explaining it to me, like right. how it works as a business model. And you know, I'm looking at it from like like you just said. I want to have the conversation, and they were like, things don't normally go because my set's very plain. I like I like the Dick Cavett, Mike Douglas, like those fucking guys. So I did it because I, you know they're not gonna just. I should have just said, hey, look, we'll be right back, or maybe done it in post. But I just didn't think to do that at the moment. They're like, we just got to get a couple of pickups. That was the, the stage manager. I'm like, okay. Like, right. I, maybe I could have said to him, now nah, do it in post. And he might have been fine with it. But I, again, it was such a learning. And I hate to say because he sounded like such a douche. But it was they, they gave me so much ability to do what I want without fucking with me mm -hmm. that I might have you know, made a couple of, like, oh, yeah, I should have done this instead of that. Right. Well, it seems like you could probably figure that out as you go along. Yeah. Whenever you start something out, it always has, like, you know, there's always... There's bumps. I mean, and they yeah. gave me an extra episode. We were supposed to do three, and then they were like, we might do two because of scheduling, and then I sat down with Eddie, and he goes, well, fuck it, why don't we just try four? Yeah. Like, they just threw an episode. Like, that's how they do things. They threw an extra episode, so I had David Tell as the guest, and I had uh, <laughs> Sherrod Small and Voss did a piece for me. And it was just fucking funny hanging with three other comedians, you know, and that kind of felt like a much different one than Tyson and Dana. Do you think, what do you think is going to go down with September when your contract is up? October 4th, I don't know. I mean, like, I love the gig. I love performing. But do you love the gig the same with Anthony not being no, there? No, of course not. No, no, I mean, I mean the idea of performing either alone right. or with other people. Right. Um, I want this thing to work because I want my own thing. Like, I've done so many this things. This thing other... meaning the Vice thing. Yeah, Jim Norton show. Yes. I want to have my own thing, too, because you feel like a more complete performer when you're not always with Opie and Anthony or Colin Quinn or Louis C.K. or Amy right. Schumer's put me on her show. Like, I don't always want to be on somebody else's thing. Right. Um, so I love the idea of performing on the radio. I love doing it with Opie. 
I love doing it with Opie and Anthony more because, and I would say the same thing if Opie left. Like I honestly do love being a part of that radio show. Mm-hmm. Being without Anthony is difficult, and Opie would say the same thing. It's it's just, and like it's it's hard to realize how much space a person fills in your life until they're not there. Like I mean, we all know Anthony's a comic gene. That's easy to say, but it's like the little moments, like when there's that chair. I mean, I'm, I'm close. I, I sit closer to I'm to Anthony than I do to you. Right. Every day, five days a week for ten years, and now he's just gone. And it's really hard to get used to that empty seat, whether he's saying something funny or whether he's just doing a stupid E Rock joke or a little aside or just pi- it's like this whole fucking vacuum of this this great powerful brain that used to be you know a foot away from me. Yeah, or just talking about things. He's a fascinating guy. He's got a lot of information in his head. He can talk about anything for any length of time. Yeah. Anything he can be... And we've said that, like... He, and I've said this before, but Patrice said that Anthony can access funny faster than anybody he'd ever known. Like, he just had the ability to access being funny immediately on any subject. Like, if you're talking... Like, you know, he was a tin knocker. He would put in air conditioning vents. And he can walk you through that in a fascinating way and be funny about it and be captivating with it. Me, I, and I, I just die telling a story. I lose people in me. <laughs> and I've, it's a joke I've done, but I, I meant the sincerity of it that if I was on 9 11, if I made it out of the first tower, I would lose people halfway through the story. <laughs> like I just have no ability to go from the beginning to the middle to the end and keep people locked in. Did you guys have a meeting with Sirius after this? No. Was over? I know Opie, Opie was talked have- to Scott. I talked to Scott on the phone. And he goes, look, we're going to try to move forward with you and Opie and see how it happens. He goes, work through it organically on the air. They didn't tell us how to, to do it. They didn't say, don't badmouth the company, don't. He said, work through it organically on the air and we'll, we'll see what happens. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Have they completely closed the idea of Anthony ever coming back? I don't think so. Um, and, and they've given me no indication. So I'm careful how I say that because I don't want the fans getting like I'm putting false hope out there. But I'm, I'm just being truthful. Is they, It doesn't feel final to me. And maybe that's my own denial mm-hmm. or my own lack of willingness to admit that this thing could be over. Like, it was really sad, man. Last I saw Anthony, I went to his fucking 4th of July party, and I was very depressed driving home. Like, I know I'm going to be okay financially, and I know, like, hey, this other show could take off. Hey, you got stand-up. Hey, you got... But just the idea that this thing you love to do, like, all right, this chapter is closed. Like, it yeah. just fucking depresses me. It depresses me to listen to it. I couldn't imagine if it was me every day day in day out being a part of it you know every time i did it i i loved it i mean i had a great time doing your show so my favorite radio show of all time without a doubt it's a real conversation you have real moments and the laugh somebody played for me recently or they they sent me a link to jim norton's laugh compilation there's just times where people have made me laugh on the show and i listen to part one and two because the point is not me laughing it's the things and most of those laughs have come from anthony more than any guest or anybody and some of the things that have, he did a thing recently or, or years ago that I heard two days ago where we were talking about people who have shot themselves in the head and survived. And Anthony did the voice of the guy who survived. And he just went into, it was an, an immediate, he became the guy who had shot himself in the fucking head and survived. And he's talking about how he just has a more positive outlook. And I'm howling listening to it in, in the clip. And I'm listening to it uh, like, you know, yeah, two days ago. 
And I'm laughing all over again. I'm like, I forgot that bit ever existed, but God, this cocksucker made me fucking laugh. And I'm not, I'm not talking about him like he's dead, but I mean, that's how valuable a, a thing he is. Like, I, I, I can't listen to, to radio bits, I man. think they made a big mistake. I think they made a big mistake for a couple reasons. One, I think they made a big mistake because I think it's, it's going to open the door more to the internet because people are going to look at that as the only, the last remaining true free speech option. Yep. Because that, that's what it is. Look, you can you could say you don't like this podcast. You can decide that I'm offensive. You can do whatever. But you can't stop it. I mean, you might the, the, the host might say, we don't want to host you anymore. I'll find another host. You know, the sponsors might say, we don't want to be your sponsor anymore. Well, guess what? I'll do it with no sponsors. Sure. We did it with no sponsors for years. You, this is the only real option where you're your own producer, your own director, your own... You're the whole thing. You're the performer. You're the whole thing. That's where it's at. Because just like a stand-up is entirely responsible for your act that you put on stage, if you had some producer hovering over your fucking shoulder every time you wrote a bit, every time you were thinking about putting together a set list, every time you were going up and doing a show, right. they would review it afterwards, that would be gross. That would take all the fun out of being a comic. Yeah, it would be awful. I mean, that's why I'm a bad collaborator, because you're so used to having absolute and ultimate control of things well you're a perfect example think about you and you as a successful performer and personality who the fuck would have ever thought you could have made a mainstream career out of talking about your love of trannies talking about shit and piss and, and shitting in each other's mouths and peeing on people monster rain just yeah. look at the honest things that you've tackled and because you're honest because you're funny if you had to vet that through somebody else, if you had to have that filter through some sort of a mainstream producer, it would have never happened. You're it would never work. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's why you're right. The, the internet is the last place where at least, I mean, for now, who the fuck knows what happens with that. But all that stuff you did, you did on Sirius. Sirius had a different approach when they first came out. They, they've slowly but surely clamped down. From that Condoleezza Rice incident, that's where it was like, ooh, you could get in trouble for something that someone says on a radio show that isn't even, like, a guest. Yeah. Like, I mean, isn't even one, uh, one of the hosts. Right. He your, was a your show could get canceled. A homeless guy. Yeah. And they were going to fire us for that. Eric Logan saved us. That was XM. It wasn't serious. It was, it was, and this is how what happened. The fucking, the NAB, uh, the, the National Association of Broadcasters, somebody on that side, I think, was what was pushing it. Because the story went on Drudge and Breitbart. Will this hurt the merger? And again, the guys who ran the, the this is when uh, they're about to merge. Yeah. Will this injure the merger? And man, it was a billion dollars at stake. And it wasn't going to hurt the merger. But they fucking panicked. And these are all different people that are in charge now. Uh, but they're like, well, uh, and they don't know how to deal with stuff. So they get the phone call. The guy, Nate, I think, was running XM at the time, or Hugh Panero. What do you think of this thing? They said, a homeless guy said he wants to rape Condoleezza Rice. and Like, what? Like, he, he's worried about a billion-dollar merger. And, he, and, yeah. he, and I'm, not, I'm not defending them suspending us, but I try to put myself in their... Like, and this is a guy, I mentioned Louie because he's a good, he's a good non-emotional reactor to things. And he'll look at things and go, well, they're just trying to do this. And like, Louie will give you a very logical reason as to why something's happening. And it's like, yeah, I wish I would have seen that. I get too angry and emotional mm -hmm. and you're like, fuck them, they're saying. And then I'll go like, okay, that's a billion dollar company. They're not used to this. And they hear this guy wants the fucking first lady raped Bush or George Bush and they're laughing about it. 
merger might be threatened. Fuck him. Get rid of him. He just panics. Isn't it fascinating, though, that you're talking about a billion-dollar company? Okay. Sirius XM, billion-dollar company. Okay. What exactly are they selling? Well, what they're selling is content. Who delivers that content? Guys like Opie and Anthony. Guys like Jim Norton. They're selling your ability to be entertaining. Other than that, it's just music. How, how do you have a billion-dollar company that's just selling music? Well, you I, don't. That's what my argument would be, too. Look, the talk thing is the last like uh, the last thing you guys have. And this is for any even terrestrial radio, too. The last thing you have is original talk content. And their point back would be, well, that's a great thing that we have. But we also have, um, whether it's a celebrity, people doing shit, or we have sports that you can't get across. Let's say we have the NBA, we have a Major League uh, Baseball. Have, I'm just saying that's what that. they would say. Yeah, but nobody's paying for that. Let's be honest. They're paying for Stern. They're paying for Opie and Anthony. I hope so, man. Especially since so. Spotify and like those like yeah. Pandora. Because it used to be I like Sirius Radio because they had like the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, whatever, mm-hmm. and all the different radio yeah. stations. Nowadays, you just put Spotify, put anything you want in as a you know. Yeah, I mean, I I get almost all my shit from iTunes. I I, I yeah. don't ever listen to music in my car anymore unless it's coming off of my phone. I just. It's just I don't need to. You don't need to anymore. You don't need them anymore. Yeah. And what the last thing that's exciting is things like Stern and things like Opie and Anthony, where you can have a guy who is just freewheeling, saying whatever he wants, doesn't have to worry about language restrictions, doesn't have to worry about anything. And the fact that he can get fired for saying the same things that he's always said on his show, just saying them in a text message, that they're so ignorant that they can't recognize that this is. You're taking it out of context. You're taking it from a guy who's just recently been assaulted. You're taking it from a guy who probably had a couple of drinks in him when he said it. And he shouldn't have done it. He fucked up. He definitely shouldn't have gone on that Twitter rampage. He should have said it on a video. And you know what? Podcast or on the show. Yeah, yeah, been on, done the show on the show. Been, yeah, on the show. It would have been yeah. perfect. It would have been a great episode. Yeah. Oh, that would have been fun. And, and Keith Robinson pointed out, he's like, the teasing we could have given him. Oh, the, the teasing. Oh, been beautiful. But it, but I don't know if that's something that will ever change. Like they may at one point go. Ah, we do kind of understand that maybe he's you know he's a valuable asset to the co-. like you know again I don't I don't know why I don't get that feeling because they haven't said to me we'll bring him back. We, they really haven't, and I never want to give fans. I'm not trying to keep fans from canceling. It literally is just a feeling, a gut feeling. He didn't drop n bombs. He didn't go on this, and I've talked to him enough to know what his intent was. And maybe that's just this naive dummy in me, but I keep thinking, man, he should come back. He can come back. Just give it some time. And I just keep hoping for that. I think he can come back. I think if they gave it some time, he definitely can come back. In the context of what he said, it wasn't that bad. You know, I wouldn't have been happy if it was my company sure. and I had shareholders and all that jazz. But I, obviously, I would never be that guy anyway. I would never be a fucking head of a big company. I'm just not built for it. But you got to recognize the entertainment quality. You know the the entertainment aspect of that guy, the the entertainment possibilities of keeping the show together. It's because without that, all you have is Stern. You know, you I mean obviously you guys are still together and it'll still be a great show, but it's not the same show. No, it's it's not. not. And it, you you leave open the door for Anthony starting his own thing, some wildly successful thing on the internet, which 
also, look, if someone comes along and they put together some sort of an advertising budget and they say, hey, listen, we would like to do the Opie, we'd like to host the Opie and Anthony podcast on the internet. We'll take X percentage of the, the, the advertisers. We've already got it lined up. We have a big launch. We're going to do it around Thanksgiving. Someone's going to fuck a turkey live on the air. You know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You start, you start doing, you, you come up with some idea to do something completely free and wild on the internet. A big advertising push, buy billboards, time. Times Square, you know, fuck serious. We're doing it on the internet. You know, ONA is back and it's free. Download it online. You don't need to pay for a subscription anymore. Anybody can get it on your phone. I mean, you can do it the way we do it. We're, we're available on we're, we're available online as an MP3. We're available from iTunes. We're available on Stitcher, on YouTube, on Ustream, on Vimeo. If you just did something like that, it would be gigantic. Yeah, gigantic. maybe you're right, man. We, we have thought about it. And, and again, we're up in October 4th. We don't know, and I and I'm, I'm we honestly don't know what we do from here. Like again, Opie and I are doing the show, bringing guests in, and just performing. And it's like we we both feel the fucking loss of go it. through Vice, do it all through Vice. There would be a wonderful promotion vehicle to, for you guys to do Opie and Anthony live through Vice. They'll set you up with a studio. Do it all online. Do the show as a video online and do the show, have it available as a podcast, free downloads. They provide you with advertisers. It wouldn't be hard to do. Shane could hook that up in five seconds. They could make one phone call and it would be, the wheels would be in motion. I would, I would, uh, I would love to do that. And that's a guy that you, you know, like shit could get really crazy, and everyone's gonna be fine. Yeah, Shane. I mean, look, the, the fact, the fact that they didn't break my ball. Like, I, everyone says, like, oh, we all do what we want, guys. But like, they, I can't believe the amount. Of, like, it, it, if if this thing fails, it is absolutely my fault. It is one hundred percent my fault. I can't blame the company. They fucking got in my ear and fuck. They didn't give a fuck. They really didn't. It's this one is on me. If it succeeds, I did a great job. Kurt Metzger helped me, and Jesse Joyce contributed a little. Attell contributed some brilliant stuff. But Vice allowed me freedom. Total. The, the monologues are my are just fucking are are exactly what I wanted to do monologue wise. Um, I have links. That I would, I, they can't be posted, but I was going to send you, but they, they took too long to get them to me. Um, and I'm just so bad at this shit. Just get it to me later. It doesn't matter. Okay. Listen, whatever, whenever it comes out, we'll promote the shit out of Next it. Next Wednesday, the it. 23rd. Next Wednesday, the 23rd. All right. I'm going to, I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it when it's coming out. I'll tweet it when it's on. I'll tweet all four episodes. I'll Thank tweet you. links and websites, whatever you need to do, man. It's not going to fail. It's going to be great. But you know how it is, man. I, I, I have the fucking, like, I, I know intellectually, yeah, I'm a funny guy. And I think it's, there's things that will be fixed in the show. Like, you know, because again, it's a, it's a new thing. Mm -hmm. But I also think, like, it came out funny. Like, I'm happy with how it came out. There was a lot of really funny lines. Oh, okay, I would fix this and fix that. And you live and you learn. It's going to be great. I, but I know that that part of you that's never happy, always going to have issues about things, that's also what makes you good. Because it keeps you, keeps you like checking and second guessing and working on things and keeps you striving for a high standard. That's the, it's the, the dark, inner secret of all comedians that we're never really happy with what we do i obsess like that promo i was like i was out in the parking lot with my luggage talking to my fucking manager on the phone i'm like i don't know why they're, they're no one's gonna like that one i'm just i'm just i'm having a fucking panic attack and it, 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 moments like that though if they say tarantino would fight all his editor who passed away but they said that she was such a, a big piece of his great success because she was so good at editing his stuff and i heard they would have screaming matches because you know, or he didn't agree with her, but mm -hmm. she, in a detached way, could see what worked from the outside.
and I certainly didn't have a yelling match with anyone, but a lot of times I'm too close to it to see what works. And I would have been totally wrong about this, and I would have thrown that promo out and not used it because I'm mostly in it. Yeah, you definitely would have been wrong. Look, I laughed hard. I'd never seen it before. That was a legit laugh. It's always going to be that way, though, Jim. Yeah, you know, I guess there's, so, there's man. always going to. Yeah, you're never going to be totally happy. That's why you're good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But are you totally happy though? Like, you have to know what a great. I walk in here, I see like all I think is Rogan makes me feel lazy. Like, like because you have such a great setup. You're at UFC. You, you. I don't know how you do this and smoke pot. You're in a fucking an ice chamber this morning. You're always doing this weird shit, reading articles. You're, you're the best follow on Twitter. I'm like, how does he fucking keep all these? plate spinning and but being really good at all of them i'm just a fucking lazy cunt i go in the morning and do radio i jerk off looking at eros.com for nine hours <laughs> i do a spot at the cellar and i get a massage well think about those nine hours that you spend jerking off you know those are hours that you could have done all the things that i do exactly <laughs> believe you think i don't i think of that while i'm doing it <laughs> while i'm tugging my prick i'm thinking this could be your green screen fixed you know yeah i do well, with me, it's I'm just real lucky that I found a bunch of things that I like doing. You know, all the things that I'm interested in, whether it's the links that I put up on Twitter, whether it's the articles I read, documentaries I watch, martial arts I do, whatever oh, I'm yeah. doing, bow hunting, whatever I'm doing, I'm interested in it. It's all just things I'm interested in. I think that's like a big part of what life, what keeps life fun, is just be interested in a bunch of different things and pursue those things. With most people, you can't pursue your real interest because you have a job that's usually not your real interest. I've been there too. When I was doing Fear Factor, and I'm you know, no woe is me, it was a great gig, paid a lot of money, used a lot of exposure and all that good stuff, but I didn't want to do it. I only did it because they wanted to pay me. Right. You know, And there's a big difference between living like that and living like I live now, whereas everything I do, I enjoy doing, whether I do the UFC, whether I do a podcast or stand-up or anything. I, I enjoy all my things. So in that way, I figured out a way to harmoniously manage my life. It's nice to not hate it, right? It's fantastic. I love it. I mean, it's not that I love everything I do. And there's always, you know, even with podcasters, podcasts that don't go well or I don't like moments in them. And those, they will fuck with me. And, and I'll try to, but they fuck with me because I care, because I'm trying to make it better. And, you know, I'm trying, when you're doing anything where it's, it's a flowing sort of living thing. You're ad-libbing and maybe I added too much or maybe I didn't add enough or maybe I was too low energy or maybe I was too high energy. This you're just, It's just because you care. And right. if you care and if you're constantly trying to improve things and you're also taking chances and you're also trying to innovate and trying to, you know, trying to be as loose and as open as possible, it's got to be things that don't go great. Yes, and you have to kind of, you know, you have to kind of leave the flaws in sometime. Mm -hmm. And I, I, one of the things I, I love so much about Mike Douglas, and this is, it was such an imperfect thing, those shows. He was interviewing the Jackson 5 one time, and it was all of them. It was just a very slow interview because they were kids at the time. And he said to one of them, like, so I understand you're the prankster. And he's like, yeah, I like playing pranks. It was like, Ugh. it was such a fucking shit moment. <laughs> but I love the fact that it was real and they left it in and they didn't fuck with it. And nowadays they would go back and they would chop that out to him going, prank, right? yeah, I'm pranker, right back. And it would be jazzed up and fixed. And in that moment, it was kind of like, just this is what it is. It's a natural flow. Great moments, slow moments, but they're all real moments. And I kind of, like what you're saying, 
there's going to be little things that bother you because they're real moments and they're alive. There's going to be little things that bother you because you care, because you want to make it, you want it to be great. Like, I'm way better at doing podcasts now than it was when I first started doing it. What will bother you in a podcast? Like, what, like, I'm not saying for, like, who did a bad one, but, like, what will be a a podcast thing that you're like, fuck, man, that was a bad episode? Will it be the other person didn't talk or you didn't get out of them what you wanted? Could be a mistake having them on in the first place. They just, uh, you know, they weren't as interesting as I thought they were going to be, or we don't see eye to eye on things and it gets weird which is sometimes fun sure but uh sometimes some you know i've one of my favorite ones was uh, that skeptic guy brian dunning just because it was so ridiculously off it was so off because he was such a goofy guy he was so fucked in the head this guy he just his mind was just so like he would go he would think he was gonna he had a long road ahead of him and he just kept going off cliffs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he was just is something wrong with the way the guy thinks but Sometimes you'll have a podcast and the guy's just not interesting and I just don't connect with him. Or maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just low energy. I've had podcasts where I just, you know, maybe I was just too exhausted. Right. I've been doing too many things. That's definitely, you have to always manage your energy. And if you're doing too many different things at the same time, like I do a lot of different things, it's a, it's a matter of making sure that you have enough. Do you ever go back? Because one of the guys I interviewed one of the episodes is Freeway Rick, and I know uh, you, and he's fucking fascinating. He's great. But all I think is, I should have asked him this. I should. It's like there's never enough time to ask everything you want to ask. Like wow. even if you ask good questions, you're like, fuck, I had there was that one and that one and that one, and I missed it. And I missed it. I did two podcasts with him, so I did like six hours worth of talking right. to him. Yeah, the the first one though, I think we really got to the heart of everything because it was three hours long, and you know he told everything, the whole CIA connection to the Iran Contra affair, and notice I said Contra, Contra. Not I know how to speak. I'm very eloquent. <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was a fascinating guy and a very positive guy, man, for a guy who spent that much time in jail and yeah. very peaceful and a very interesting dude and really earnestly working to help people not make the same mistakes that he made. He's a nice, he was a nice man. Yeah. And so it was hard for me to picture that guy in the, um, in the role of Kingpin. Mm-hmm. And then as we were, we were editing and we weren't chopping content on this one. It was just camera angles because of the way that I demanded the audience be set up. You know, you have to, we couldn't just get a two shot because and I didn't know that cause I'm a fucking novice cunt. So we had to just fix a couple of camera angles. And there's a couple of moments where Rick's talking and I just saw his face and he was being pleasant, but I'm like, Oh, that's <laughs> the guy. Who's the kingpin? That's the guy. Yeah. And in that, in that, in those moments, I, I actually told the editor a couple of times, rewind that and pause on his face. And he was just listening, and he wasn't angry. But I saw in that moment mm. that face. I'm like, that's the guy that fucking gave the order. Mm. Like in that, you know what I mean? Like this nice, pleasant man is who he really is. But you can't be this nice, pleasant man and fucking make nine hundred million dollars selling cocaine. Isn't it crazy how much he made? He made yeah, nine hundred million dollars. You can't do it. <laughs> You can't be Mr. Nice Guy. You can't operate with the Bloods and the Crips together and be a nice fucking fellow all the time. There has to be that other part of you. I hope he's making money now. I hope he's doing well, you know. Uh, but how hard must it be when you've made $900 million selling drugs to not go back to selling drugs? To not go, I gotta figure out a way to do this and not get caught. I wonder if it is that. I should again. I should have asked him that. But I, I wonder is also, is it because he got life without parole, learned, you know, no, learned to read mm-hmm. and now he's out. So is it is that overpowered by the fucking fact that you're like, you know what? I can fuck a woman if I want to. Yeah. I can go get a piece of pizza if I want to. Like, there's the gratitude for being out 
override the loss of material stuff. I think. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Because the loss of material stuff is already out the window anyway. He was in jail. Right. And I, I'm, I'm sure. he. Well, he's also a changed person. Like a real legitimately changed person. You know, in the fact that he didn't even know how to read before he got into jail. And then he got to jail, learned how to read, and then found the legal flaws in the argument yes. against him. And that's what got him released. I mean, that's incredible. What happened to his lawyers? How many, like, you're paying lawyers all that money and they don't catch yeah. the fuck, you know. It's it was like, a three strikes, you're out law thing, Something like right? that. It was a double jeopardy thing. Yeah. yeah, Right, they counted one of them was two strikes, but it was yeah. only one because it was the same thing twice or something. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, well, he, I, I know he doesn't want to be that guy anymore, right. which is why he doesn't sell drugs anymore. But uh, that's got to be a weird thing to go from... Like MC Hammer style, from having hundreds of millions of dollars to how do I pay my bills? Yeah, and what do I do from here? Even I, bigger than MC Hammer, really. What's Nine, that? I, even bigger. Yeah, because MC Hammer didn't go to... Although I think what MC Hammer went through is harder, because he didn't go to prison for 20 years. He didn't have a 20-year cooling off period with no women. Like, you know, MC Hammer just went from fucking... From a private plane with 30 people to what the fuck do I do now? I owe tax money and nothing. Yeah. Like, he did it on the outside... Whereas Rick Ross had a lot of years of like, this sucks to kind of get his life and then, then be grateful. What does a guy like MC Hammer do for money? I don't know. Let's Google him. I don't know. What, I mean, what, what would you do if you were a guy like MC Hammer and all of a sudden the fucking, the gig is up? Didn't he do the religious thing for a while? Like he, yes. He like going to be a pastor of a church or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I and guess. Found a way to like got a blog. hide money that way or something. He's got a blog, but he hasn't updated it since 2013, November. Yeah, it's not good for blogging. He was on The Surreal Life. Uh, oh, was he really? 2003. He was managing um, martial artists for a while. He had some company that he was managing martial artists. What's I think it was company? called Alchemy or something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't trust him with my money. Yeah. If you go through fucking 30 million and now you're broke or whatever the amount was, I, I don't want to trust you with my financial decisions well wasn't it even crazier than that like he was spending like ungodly amounts of money to like refurbish this house and then they had to stop halfway through it because he ran out of money but it was just some insane thing like just the marble alone was like eight million dollars worth of italian marble or something fucking crazy yeah it's really crazy how people like how fast expense i had shelves built recently and why wouldn't there be problems with him? Because whenever a fucking cunt face does something cultured, it falls apart. So now the shelves are not there. They're being re-repaired. Um, you know, and it's like you just realize that they give you an estimate. It always goes more. It always gets to be more. And you're like, Oof, you're already in a little bit. You can't just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing they do to you. That's the thing, if a, especially unscrupulous contractors. Sometimes it's just you know hidden costs they don't see coming. But some of them, they just they get you hooked, and then once they got you hooked, they just keep the bills coming. They do that with car builds too. When you're getting a car built, they did that to me when I was on that show Rides, where I had that Barracuda built. It was infuriating, man. They keep treat you like you're a sucker. Keep adding to it, right? Oh, they treat you like you're a sucker. They, they give you a lowball figure, and then we were past that lowball figure quick, and the car was nowhere near being finished. And I was like, guys, what's going on? Like, what, what are you doing? 
and they were like, hey, you know, it's uh, it's costing a little more than we thought. It's costing a hundred thousand dollars more. Wow! Like you guys are like, what the fuck is going on? And they they started talking about, look, you know, we'll sell it. You know, we'll sell it, and we'll give you your money back. Like, no, the fuck you won't. No, that's my car. You're not gonna sell because it was on the cover of Popular Hot Rodding or one of those, you know, Hot Rod magazine, a couple different magazines. So they were getting offers. People were like, hey, uh, you know, I want to see this car. I'd buy all this car. I asked this guy who wants to sell the car. And they started getting greedy. So they started like doing all this crazy shit to the car to make it more valuable. But while they were doing that, it was costing me more money. I was financing the whole thing, and then they were threatening to sell it and just give me my money back. And they were going to, like, make all the profit. I was like, okay, you guys are cunts. Like, this is cr- this is the craziest fucking scenario I'm in. And it was just like they do with a house, except it's different because it's your house. Right. Like, this isn't even your car. Like, this is a car that you're paying for. And this guy's telling me, hey, look, if you don't want to spend X amount of money, we'll sell it and we'll give you your money back. Like, the fuck you will. How'd you finally resolve it? Uh, well, the production company got involved and, um, it, it got pretty ugly because they ripped him off too. It was, it was pretty bad. The guy who built it, he made some mistakes. It was, uh, it was a disaster. It wasn't Chip Foose. It was the other guy. It was, it was a mess. It was a mess, a real mess. It was a bunch of people got really greedy because it was, the car was getting a tremendous amount of attention. It was, uh, it was ugly. It was Are they still in business? Sick. I don't know. Oh. They got cut out of, uh... My friend Bud's production company, though, who does overhaul and he does a bunch of other shows, he cut him off forever. It's like, done. You're done, dude. You're cut off forever. Some people just don't see the big picture, right? They don't. No. I mean, he was all these dollar bill signs were in his head because it was on these magazine covers. And we had this conversation on the phone. He's like, look, you know, this car is a popular car. Car's on two. I go, hey, fuckhead, why do you think this car is so much more popular than any car you ever built? You ever think it's maybe because you're building it for a famous person? You fucking dolt. <laughs> Do you, do you not see that you think that you're the famous person? Like, right. do you understand this? Like, this is getting you more attention. That more attention will generate more business for you. But we have a deal. And you, you're fucking me out of my deal because someone's going to offer you an extra $30,000 or whatever this other person was offering them. But that's what they do with cars. They start you off to say, you know, we'll build a car for you, Jimmy. Costs you about twenty, thirty grand. Burr, 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 burr. And then you know you got the car. And then like Jim, um, the tranny is a little more expensive. We're gonna have to adjust the housing, and the rear end's not good. We're gonna have to add a new rear end. And some of that stuff's legitimate, but some of it is like a hee hee ha ha. We gotcha. Excellent example, by the way. Tranny, <laughs> yeah, rear end. the tranny, the rear end, hee hee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I didn't even mean to add those things in in that way. It wasn't meant to be a double entendre. But uh, it fell into place correctly. But, yeah, I, I'm in the middle of a, a, a thing with my house that's going great. And when, you know, you have something fixed in your house and someone's doing it and they're doing a great job and it's all on time, it's beautiful. It's like, ah, oh, the guy did what he said he was going to do and everything's working out yeah. well. It's like, it's, it's like relaxing. He didn't milk it. He didn't fuck me. I'm going to piss again. Wow, this is incredible. This is the third time. This is incredible. Yeah. Let's just wrap this thing up. We're done anyway. Oh, we're done? Okay, We're cool. done. So, Vice. Vice.com. Yes. Where will people be able to see this? Uh, on Vice.com, Wednesday the 23rd, it comes out. And of course, I'll be tweeting about it in the first episode. I'll be tweeting about it as well. Thank Wednesday you, the 23rd. Um, please, anything you need promoted. When can people see you live doing stand up? Um, I'm doing in Montreal that Jesus Theater. And I got a bunch of stuff on jimnorton.com. Cobbs, August 7th, 8th, yes. and 9th. Aha, uh-huh. Cobbs in San Francisco. Yes. Wonderful place to visit if you want to get jerked off. Tickets available. 
It's I've never spot. gone there and gotten jerked How off. How dare you? Oh, really? Rub oh, my map, room I have. Rubmaps.com. You'll find a lot of good places up oh, there. Oh, cool. Thank oh, you. Just wander around the city. There's wonderful places. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, last anytime, minute. my brother. Anytime. I appreciate it. And uh, if you guys wind up doing a podcast, I would love to be one of your guests. Let's do it. We'll see what happens. Come on. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. You can't be held down anymore. It's, we can't allow it. We can't allow it, ladies and gentlemen. The Opie and Anthony show will continue. It, it must. It must. With Sirius or without. The, the gauntlet has been laid down. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks for um, thanks for tuning into the podcast. Thanks for uh, our sponsors. Who do we have today? Uh, we had uh, uh, thanks to Ting? Ting. Go to rogan.ting.com and save yourself some money, you dirty bitches. Save yourself twenty five dollars off of uh, any brand new glorious phone from a wonderful company. Thanks also to Blue Apron. My new favorite sponsor, not my new favorite, but one of them. I love them. They're great. I'm going to eat it tonight. Blueapron.com slash Rogan. Go there and uh, get your first two meals for free. That's blueapron.com slash Rogan. Thanks also to onit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. We'll be back next week with a lot of mo, lot of mo show. Uh, until then, enjoy yourselves. Have a good time. And... Uh, be loving to each other. Big kiss. Mwah.